Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When I was in New York, when I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, I was at that point a generation of I was laying there, practically naked, and I had her hold me as if I was naked. I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my eyes, I, I believe my eyes were going right back in my head. There was evidence of human sacrifice on this flight. One of my first questions I asked was, God, is there evidence of human sacrifice? Yes, we found a man with his fingers sliced off. guys we're here on conspiranormal and it has been about three weeks since we recorded a show here in the studio you guys out there listening didn't even notice that probably because we had a show every week but we had done a couple of weeks of like two day shows so we had plenty in the arsenal and uh before we get started though with the 2016 election special Rob won, and I'll tell you why we're referring to that as referring to him as that in just a minute. How's everything going with you? <laughs> uh, it's going good. I got I got a new couch out here for Luke, who's not uh-huh. here to appreciate it. 
Yeah, he he he's gonna have really good time sleeping on this. What it's got I mean, recliners, it's really comfy. It's got recliners built into it. Oh, oh, awesome! Yeah, it'll be great for him. Well, before uh, right when I got here, you had done some. You had gotten some new furniture, mm-hmm. and you had switched <laughs> the furniture uh, from the from the house that you put the new furniture in the house, and then you put this one from the house in here, and the right. old couch into the yard. Right. Tell everybody what happened when I <laughs> when, when I got here. Well. <laughs> Me and my oldest daughter managed to move the old couch out of the studio out into the yard. And my plan was when Adam got here to talk him into helping me carry it down to the road. But while I was waiting for him, I let the dog out and went inside to get a cup of coffee and relax for a few minutes waiting for him. And then he gets here and he comes inside. He's like, so you uh, put that couch out there for your dog to have a new chew toy or or what? (laughs) So then, (laughs) uh, yeah. We went to the backyard and it was everywhere. <laughs> in a matter of minutes, she had covered the backyard in white fluff. Yeah, it was a disaster area for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what you've had to deal with today so far. So, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, if anybody doesn't know, if you've been living under a rock forever, we have something called an election coming up in two days. And tonight I have on kind of like a cavalcade of guests, some people that I really respect in the field of political um, observation, uh, punditry. Uh, We have coming on tonight, later on, Rocky Stucci and Scotty Roberts from The Situation Room, and then our good friend Micah Hanks. But first, I'd like to introduce a new guest and this is why I was referring to producer Rob here as Rob number one. Here's Rob number two, Mr. Rob Gray. Welcome to Conspiranormal. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, it's interesting because we were talking about right before we started that uh, I I don't know how we became friends on Facebook. We just did. <laughs> right. And I've seen a lot of your posts on on Trump. And I've always looked at your post and respected a lot of the things that, that you've had to say. And that's why I was interested in having you come on, because uh, you are a Trump supporter. You make no bones about it. Uh, and I have had been very critical about Trump in the past on this show. Yes. But I really wanted to give someone to get someone on that was a diehard supporter of Donald Trump, someone that believes that Trump can change things in this country. And we'll talk about a little bit about Hillary Clinton here in a little bit. But first of all, Rob, I want to get your background, you know, who you are and uh, what it is that, that, that you do. Okay. Well, I grew up in Laredo, Texas. I don't know if you remember that city. That's one of the first cities that Trump uh, visited when he made his presidential, um, I guess, candidacy of open to the people, I guess. Um, Laredo, Mm. Texas is a border town. Um, It borders Mexico and uh, about, it's about 150, oh, I'd say about 240 miles from uh, Austin uh, going south. Okay. So that's kind of, that's where I grew up. Um, And I was, I was, I saw firsthand just the, uh, the influx of illegal uh, immigration. So as a kid, I uh, wanted, excuse me, wanted to get into um, border patrol which is kind of something that's been, had been something my whole life that I looked up to uh, as far as, you know, law enforcement. My uncle's a border patrol agent in Laredo. He had, he's been doing that, I think for about 35 years. 
Um, so he, as a as a supervisor there, I I mean he's he's one of the guys that gets all the intel before a lot of the you know press gets it, I guess. So I I saw and I could hear you know just from being at barbecues with all the other agents how bad it was and how they had both hands tied behind their back. Um, <clears throat> and then as far as my my background, um, I got actually into Border Patrol in um, 2001. Uh, that was the year that. Uh, I guess 9-11 and all that happened. It was uh, December of 01 is when I left South Carolina for training. Okay. And, and pretty much everything that I, that I heard was true. Um, now, I had to make my own conclusion because obviously I wanted to see for myself. But um, living in South Carolina, being there in the barracks with everybody, uh, getting the training that they get, it's amazing training. But the, sen- the consensus is that nobody can really do much with it. Um, so I where do you was, go in South Carolina for that training? It's in Charleston. It's a okay. naval base. I, I can't really. I'm not going to say where, but you can find out. I'm, it's not like not public information. I'm not going to give the address, but um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's where Border Patrol. It's called Fletsy, um, Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers. Um, there's some in Virginia, and I want to say in Arizona, uh, but yeah, Charleston, South Carolina, was uh, or I think it still is the one of the Border Patrol training centers. Um, so living there, I, like I said, I got to hear from the other guys and just, like I said, it's, it's so restricted that for every one person that comes over and they, they, you know, actually catch, there's another hundred that get through, you know, it's just, it, it's so porous that there's no way without a higher type of technology, like a wall. Um, it, again, there's some places that you can literally just walk across. Um, I myself personally have filmed families of you know illegal immigrants actually crossing the border because there's some parts where the the water you it goes so low that you can it's so shallow you can walk across sure and i've i filmed it myself now the border patrol standing there waiting for them to cross over to give them water uh to feed them to get the medical attention if they need it and then from there they they process them and it's actually customs that they process if it's right at the border so there's you know, that's how it used to be. I know now it's all under one DHS kind of symbol, which it wasn't back in the day when I trained. Uh, it was still U.S. Border Patrol. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just, that's how I kind of, that's kind of my upbringing as far as seeing what the problems were. Um, I could name so many other things. I mean, just the fact that they, it's so easy to get over across the border. And then uh, let's say you wreck into somebody and you're from Mexico this is just something that nobody's really talked about. But if you think about it, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem on, on, in border towns um, where you're, you have insurance, you're driving your brand new car. Somebody with this, you know, 20 year old truck from Mexico hits you. They can give them a ticket, but all they're going to do is go right back across and, you know, throw away that ticket. And then when the court date comes, well, who are they? They could have given a fake name. Mexico is pretty lax when it comes to IDs. So they could have given fake info. So it kind of it, it trickles down to, you know, even our insurance prices are higher because of the influx of illegals. Um, so, again, that's kind of how what it was as far as how, how I was brought up. Um, I'm half Mexican, actually, and half Jewish. So it's kind of a okay. weird mix. But, but that's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. So I kind of saw I, and I grew up knowing that it was just a big problem as a child. I mean, this is when Reagan was, I, I'm 36. So when Reagan was president, I was, you know, five, six, seven. Um, but I, even back then at that age, my grandparents, my parents, they'd all talk about it and how, 
you know, somebody got hit by this driver. Oh, was he from Mexico? Like, that's the first question they used to ask. <laughs> just because you know that if that's the case, they're screwed. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's that's how I grew up. Now, when Ron Paul had the his immigration um, reforms back in, I think it was 08, I was really behind him because he, he was really, you know, trying to be more um, open to not only illegal immigration, but I'm sorry, not open. <laughs> He was trying to close close the illegal immigration uh, loopholes, but the media just totally ran him over. I don't know if you remember that election or not. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Was I'm, just, I was I was a big, I I too am a big Ron Paul supporter. Cool, I still cool, really yeah. really respect him. Me uh, too, too man. Yeah, I, I definitely think they did it. They gave him a, a bum rap. So yeah, yeah. I, I will absolutely agree with you on that one for sure, for sure. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, Ron Paul was my intro. To, well, okay, so I resigned from Border Patrol, right? Uh, about four months in, just because I see that it's just a broken system. No wow, way to, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah do it, do it was, a lot of guys get into it, and then they, uh, like you, do they decide that they they go into it with like kind of an optimism, and then after a few months, do they do they leave? Does that happen often? Yes, I'll put it this way: if um, the first week is what's I guess called Hell Week, right? And so anybody who's really hasn't prepared shape wise. Is kicked out automatically just from from being out of shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that first week you get about I'd say fifteen percent of a drop. Then those guys that stay are kind of you know they're going to stay because really that was the hardest part. Um, but then as people talk and you 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 have different classes there in the barracks with you. So some guys that are seven months in will talk to a guy that's just got there. And I think once they talk to those guys and they say, yeah, man, you know. It's cool. It's it's awesome. You're getting 60 grand, 70 grand a year starting, but you're just going to be sitting down watching people break the law. That's what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you're okay with that, go right ahead. You know what I mean? And I'm not I'm not saying it's their fault. It really isn't. It's it's the legislation going through that Obama's pretty much, you know, <laughs> cut both their arms and one leg off and then said, "Okay, go to work." So, yeah, I mean, the laws need to be changed, but when when Trump came out with his immigration um, reform policies that just kind of made me say, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, he hit on something that nobody else was really even saying and something that I've lived firsthand and can see that he's not lying. So there's, you can say all you want about rapists and drug dealers and whatever, whatever. But when you look at the stats, I mean, <laughs> most of the, I've seen the women that pictures of the women that are left out there, you know, ki- murdered because they couldn't carry the drugs that the guy wanted them to carry. It's a really bad culture of just, I mean, like, I think it was 90% of the women that cross get raped. You know what I mean? So he knows the stats and I've seen firsthand and heard of all the horrible, you know, just horrible stories. It's, it's, it's bad. And so that's kind of why the big thing for me is the immigration. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was about to ask you is like the big, the big issue for you is illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily immigration in total, but the the illegal aspect of it. See, here's uh, the thing, and that's what a lot of people get. Com- I'm sorry, do you want to? I, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. A lot of people get confused with they they want to put a, a a blanket over the immigration issue, and it's really not a, a just a, a one a stance issue. I guess you can have various stances. I'm pro immigration, absolutely. I have friends that have that. I, one of my best friends. His father came illegally, by the way, in the in the 50s. Now, back then, I'm, I'm assuming it was easier to get in, but he got in. Um, he worked hard. Now, th- now again, 
He came here illegally. When he saved up enough money, he went through the steps to get his his legal, uh, I guess, you know, his citizenship. He opened a restaurant with the skills that he he brought over from Mexico, and now he owns a franchise of restaurants. I mean, he's a successful uh, a success story. I'd like to say. Um, So so he did it the right way. He didn't he he crossed over illegally. I get that. Now he um, that you know that that's kind of not a good thing. But when when somebody wants it bad enough, they're going to do it the right way. The problem we have right now is that there's people living on off of our government in, let's just say, Laredo, um, living off the actual taxes that we're paying. And then they're sending it to Mexico. That's a huge issue you see there. Um, you also see a lot of cars parked out front of the, inside, outside of people's houses with, you know, Escalades. And then you see that you talk to them and they're like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm here illegally and I'm on food stamps. And you're like, what? Like, it's just yeah. there's, there's this. Yeah, there's this huge um, scam that they that they, you know, pull. And it's and again, it's all the illegal immigrants that are doing it. It has nothing to do with legal immigration. If you came here illegally, like Ron Paul back in the day, he used to say, if you came here illegally and you've proven yourself to be a, a, a good citizen, dude, they're not going to just throw you out. That's not how they're, you know. They're looking for people that are really, really bad, and I'm, that those are the guys bringing the drugs in. Just like Trump said in his first speech, that's a lot of people just took that one piece and ran with it, and I think that's where they got he got that uh, really bad rap. But well, you know, I understood he was what he was saying from the beginning. I never doubted his his racism once. I knew I knew exactly what he was talking about. To stay a little bit on this on this immigration topic, because I can tell that this is a topic that is very important to you. It is. Um, you know, and it, it is to me as well, because, um, you know, my grandfather was an immigrant. Um, I am actually married to, a, to an immigrant from Brazil who right. did not exactly do things the right way. Right. Um, so for me, it's a little bit of a I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. I see everything that you're saying here, and and because and because from where you come from, you can say that you know in your experience that you see things see things from the ground. But we also have a situation as well where you know we need some kind of reform. Yes. I'm not I'm not necessarily against the concept of a wall if we if we had maybe like. Some like an Ellis Island on that wall, someplace people could come in and be filtered through. And so we don't get these bad elements. You know, so that have, that would that, that would be something that would be really nice. Right? Have you have you ever uh, gone to Mexico? Like, have you crossed the border? No, I've never gone to. I've never gone that way. I've never crossed so, the border. So here's how it's kind of set up. It's it's you know I thirty five. It's the, one of the biggest thoroughfares, right? So yeah, you you can literally get on thirty five, drive south, and hit Mexico. So what happens is it, it's set up as a bridge system. You you go through customs. They check your car. I'm sure you've seen in the movies where you know people are crossing over and you see that you know the checkpoint or whatever. Sure. That's the Mexican border. So there's we already have thoroughfares where people are checking this info. The the problem is there's not enough. Yeah. And, and they figure out okay well since they're gonna have all their their people here we're just gonna find a way that you know to get around this spot. It's not, and really, it's it has to do with that wall. If you ha- they ha- border patrol has something. I- I'm not going to even, you know, say their name, but basically, what it is, um, they have these sensors. Like I guess I just said them um, <laughs> that uh, that go off every, you know, I don't know how many feet. I don't know the actual uh, number now, but 
when when there's a an illegal uh you know migration i guess you could say of, of more than i guess two people five people whatever it is they go off the sensors go off and it, it it actually tells them okay there's something going off here it has to be um i i would assume within a you know 10 mile radius so that they can catch whoever it is that's that's crossing so it's it's just a matter of putting manpower uh, you know, technology, which is what we're talking about here with the wall. I, I don't, I can't envision a wall being, I, I know it sounds good and it's really awesome PR to say that, you know, it's getting 10 feet higher, higher every time he, you know, gets angry at somebody that's, it's funny, but, <laughs> I, yeah. I, but I see, I can't see it being bigger than 20 feet at the most. And that's all you would really need with maybe every mile uh, having one of those sensors that goes off and it kind of just, half mile or quarter mile you know it, it kind of goes out in every direction i don't know yeah we're not That's talking true. about the wall on game of thrones right we're talking yeah. the- <laughs> right I, i've never watched that show so i know <laughs> I'm, I'm a horrible person for that but yeah I, I i've seen i've seen some clips that like were game of thrones donald trump yeah uh, yeah i've seen those trump. yeah yeah so i know that i know what wall you're talking about but yeah i mean we're we're just talking about first of all it's not the logistically it's not going to be for the first two years that he's even going to be able to start this whole deportation thing if he wants to do it. I, I've done the, the math on it. It's just too it's too large. So the first thing he's going to want to do, and that's why he's pushing law and order so hard, is because he wants to go after the bad people. And what I mean by bad is somebody who's broken the law by coming over here three or four times, murdered, killed. We're housing these people in our prisons for really no reason except that we, you know, their their countries won't take them. And the, the company that does that is actually called CCA. So for your for your listeners, if you all want to look that up, that's who they are. It's CCA. I think it's uh, Corrections Something of America. But that's who houses these criminals. So you ha- your taxpayer money is going to house uh, thousands of lawbreakers from other countries. And I'm not just talking about Mexico. Uh, you know, everywhere. I'm, it could be from Korea. I mean, anywhere. Um, people that have broken the law are just sitting there and and wasting taxpayer sure. money. Because no, nobody thinks about this, but there's a sizable illegal population of people from China. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. China, El Salvador. Um, I, I could name 10 countries that there's just people that, that are coming in. It's not just no. Mexico. No, you're right. Absolutely. The point I was going to make about that, though, about my wife, was that even she can see, because you know she's someone that has never lived off of like a government assistance as far as right. i know at least not in this country right. and she she can see that you know that, that she because she has uh people that work with her that uh, that work under her that are from mexico and their kids are getting are getting wick they're getting food stamps and these yeah. are not american citizens and, and and that's the kind of thing although i am very much for you know, people getting assistance. Mm-hmm. If we're helping people that are not American citizens, how can we? But at the same time, how can we sustain that? You that's can't. unsustainable. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You can't. Um, you just have to be. Re- you just have to be realistic about things. Honestly, I, I my wife is the same. She actually at first was kind of leery with Donald Trump, and then you know she came around little by little. She's actually uh, full Mexican. I mean, she her family's from Mexico. They're first mm-hmm. generation immigrants. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're all pro Trump. We just I just had dinner with the in laws last night, and we all talked about how Clinton's crazy. You know, so it, they're all pro Trump. Um, it, it's not a racist thing. She sees it. Your your wife. 
Um, it's it's really just a matter of if you have a store and your supplier is giving you crap material to you know to to sell to your customers. Sooner or later, your customers are going to be like, "Screw this, I'm out." And that's exactly what I feel Americans are doing right now. The the media, just everybody anti Trump is just giving this crap, you know, biased, one hundred percent biased, not fair. It really isn't fair and balanced uh, media and news and. People are like, you know what? Screw this! And I'm seeing, I'm seeing the turnaround. I'm seeing the uh, the pendulum swing, and it's crazy. It's just insane the way, like you said, your wife sees it. I mean, if your yeah. your wife sees it, my wife sees it, our my in laws see it, my mom sees it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I can I can see a, a landslide coming unless right. they unless they pull a a crazy um, you know voter fraud thing, which I doubt. I think that's just really well. One one thing on the on the immigration issue, and then we can move sure. on to some other things, is that you know I, I look my my wife is from another country, my stepson is from another country. With him, everything was done right because she was married to me and she had her green card. She was able to apply for him in Brazil, so he came here and now he's in he's in the U.S. Navy serving this country. Beautiful. So you know it. It is, uh, and I'm I'm all for it. As as the grandson of an immigrant, I'm for immigration. But the simple fact is that everybody everybody cannot come here. <laughs> we can't just empty the rest of the world and onto the United States. But the extreme vetting, I don't understand why that's a big issue. Um, if if you have, like I said, if you have felonies and you've been breaking the law in a st- in a country that isn't your own, if I go to Mexico and break, you know, any law really, mm-hmm. I would. I've been arrested in Mexico. It is horrible. Oh, I can only imagine. It's the worst. <laughs> if you think human rights exist over there, they they don't. Uh, oh yeah. Water, the they're like it's bad. It's bad. I can't even. Yeah, I still have PTSD from it. Okay, it's horrible. Wow. So, yeah. 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 It's really bad. So the fact that they can get away not get away but the fact that they can have their laws and their wall on their southern border and then they're going to complain because they know that they're just sending and I'm I'm not lying when I when I tell you this they are sending people from the prisons the uh there's orphanages that they have that after uh, you know a certain age they just can't be there um for like you know bad kids I guess you could say like juvenile detention centers um those people just get kicked out onto the street. There's no laws over there. So the first thing they're going to do is, well, where do I go? Okay, we'll go to the USA. That's the people that are coming. People who have a business in Mexico do not want to even – I mean they're, they're thriving over there. They have their, their companies. They send their exports. They export it to the USA and sell it. Um, there's a huge import-export business in, in Laredo. So, I mean they're doing fine. It's just the, they're not – and they, they're, they're here legally because they have the money to pay – you know the for the process because as you know it's it's pretty expensive right mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah that's that's kind of my point is is that the only people who really don't want to be vetted are the people who are breaking the law anyway and it's not only the people that are criminals or people that are orphans, people that are unwanted. I mean, there's plenty of people that because of the economic situation in Mexico, how it's been up and down, up and down, and and, and, the, and the extreme poverty. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the Mexican government has even made pamphlets on how to cross the border <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And that's, that's, that's really honestly saying, you know, okay, we don't want to deal with you. You're a burden on our society. So go go to the United States. Get out of here. 
there. You Correct. know, I mean, that's 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 kind of crazy when you when you really think about it. But let's turn away from the immigration. I want to talk. Let's talk about uh, some of the other issues. What other issues about what what other issues on Trump do you feel that he's very strong on? Second Amendment. Okay. Absolutely, the Second Amendment. Um, I am a big pro Second Amendment just person. I, I, I go shooting maybe once a year, I'd say. So it's not a lot, but sure. um, I used to hunt when I was a kid. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pro Second Amendment just for the fact that history definitely repeats itself when you uh, let people take away your guns. You know, it's just it, it's never a good idea to hand over your your sovereignty and your freedom to somebody who pretty much isn't looking out for your best interests. Um, and I, I see the, the strong stance he's had about with the Second Amendment, as opposed to hers, which kind of is iffy, if anything. And that's at best. And at worst, I mean, I've seen the leaks where she's pretty much saying she's going to go after our guns is pretty much what they say. I know it sounds tinfoil, but that's pretty much kind of what, what Huma had said in that leak. Um, so, I mean, it's just a matter of kind of comparing what they're going to do with your freedom. Do they do does does Trump want to take away your rights or does he want to protect them? And it seems to me that she wants to take away people's rights for people that aren't from this country, um, whereas Trump wants to do the opposite and he wants to protect us. He wants to protect the Second Amendment. That's a huge one. Um, just his endorsements with the Border Patrol, with you know law enforcement. She can throw her seventeen generals number out, but I mean, they're if you've looked at the names, they're really nobodies. I mean, he has the backing of pretty much the military. Um, you know, all these people that really are protecting our country from Islamic terror. So that's kind of my big, that's the, the other issue that I'm big on is the second amendment stance. What about some of the Republicans that have repudiated him? Um, within, with, well, within what I guess is nominally his own party. I think it has to do with the thing I was talking about earlier. Um, they're pretty much tied to the same people. Um, the Republican Democrat two party system is just kind of a, I'd say a joke at this point, because um, they're all part of the same club. I would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of why when when I hear these Republicans, uh, I, I think I don't look at them as Republicans. I see them as people that are just uh, they see that their gravy train is going to end if Donald Trump becomes gets elected, and um, it, Republican Democrat flower party. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I can see what they're doing and their actions. They're definitely not part of the, the any kind of Republican that I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even Ted Cruz was really disappointing up until, you know, the last few days. But then again, I, I won't ever trust him again just from how, you know, how he acted. Um, and I'm being from Texas. That's that's big because I hear a lot of people saying the same thing. We're very big on loyalty. And he showed his true colors. And I think that the uh, the voters are going to have their say <laughs> in you- Texas. least. Are you talking about uh, when uh, the Republican convention, what he said there? Um, not not only that, just the way he acted throughout the whole never Trump uh, campaign with, you know, Kendall Unruh, I think was her name or Unruh, whatever. Um, and that whole situation, just not ever coming out to say you need to support the candidate. Uh, that just showed me. I mean, you saw him. And, and then when he was coming off of the plane with, I think it was Loretta Lynch um and and the Cl- i mean not the clintons the obamas that kind of just uh, that showed you right there that that's all part of the same team especially when they were when he talked so bad about obama you know what i mean yeah and, i remember that yeah i don't know what you're talking yeah. about 
that kind of that was the the turning point for me when I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna really do my research on this guy. And the more I did, you know, with with how he treated his wife to to all the rumors that came out. I mean, it's just it, he's not anything that I would want to associate myself with at this point. Well, I mean, he 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 carries himself as very like he's the constitutional guy, right? He right. says he believes in the constitution. I'm I'm very dubious about Cruz <laughs> in some way, in some ways myself. Yeah, just. He, he, He's not, um, you know. I, I guess I, I, I liken him to those kids that wanted to be cool. <laughs> That's the best way, <laughs> you know. Like you know, just that, uh, that kid in high school who wanted to try his best to be cool, but he just he's not. He just tries to be somebody who he isn't. Um, that's kind of who I feel like he is. Uh, I feel like he's putting on a, a front for something really a lot darker, maybe. So, what about another issue? What about healthcare? What do you think about that? Is you think Trump is going to repeal Obamacare? Do you think that he has something that he could uh, that he could do better with? I'm, you know, I'm the only thing I know about the healthcare issue um, is that the Obamacare premiums are going through the roof right now. Yes, I'm not. I'm not very well versed on the whole. I know that my mom at first was helped by it, from from what I understand, and then she just recently. I don't know if it had to do with this whole change recently, but. Maybe about two months ago, she was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to go up. And, and that's kind of all I've heard. I don't really talk to her about it. So that's kind of my understanding with it. But, yeah, I mean, Obamacare is just a, a – it's Hillary care, right? And it's – it's before that, I think it was um, – I, I forgot what it – there's been different kind of you know socialist type of takeovers for healthcare, And it goes back to the whole Alinsky Marxist thing, right? Like, I mean, that I don't understand how people don't – the media is not like, hey, guys, this has happened before. <laughs> it's like it's a rule, you know, like they want to take care of take over the health care. That's one of the Marxist uh, tactics. Well, I, I, I just I, go ahead. I, I think my problem with it has been primarily. And uh, I mean, when the whole debate started, uh, this is how it came down for me. I, I was actually not against the idea of a public option, okay? I was not against it. it but it seemed to me like we, there was so much flack that was thrown that way that there was a compromise that came up uh, with Obama and with the Republicans in Congress that they would throw this, basically throw money at, they would they would basically bail out the insurance companies. Once they did that, the insurance companies really had no competition and the, because they had the government supporting them. So either way, we got you know we got a socialist program. It's just a, it may be a different kind of socialism than than the other than the other. And so now, of course, yes, premiums have skyrocketed because the insurance companies is like, oh well, the government's just going to pay us. You know exactly. that we're the, the, you know we've got the government in our pocket and vice versa. So yeah, I mean it, it's been a it's been a huge disaster. And I was saying about a week or so ago, I was just like you know. When that came out, and even CNN was talking about the premiums going up, when that yeah. came out, I thought to myself, that alone would get Trump elected. That Absolutely. alone, because I mean, what I mean, Obama had spent all this time, it has spent all this time on his legacy of saying, like, you can, you know, if you want to keep your doctor, you can, you know, it's going to be cheap, it's going to be great. No, it's turned out to be a complete disaster. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It is what it is. I mean, I, I saw it coming. I had I've never signed up for it or whatever. I've never seen gone online. Mm-hmm. I was more of a ti- I was more of a tinfoil hat guy when I heard about it, and I was like, "Is this really happening?" I thought, "Well, that just sounds like a big database, like 
for people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That was yeah, more of my, there's an you know, aspect to that. Yeah. 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 So there, that was more of my Orwellian kind of weird take on it. But yeah, I, so I never, that's why I kind of was like, you know what? It sounds like a failure. I can see how it's an unsustainable. And there we go again with an unsustainable system that Democrats have set up. Um, because like you said, it, they're just going to milk the government for as much as they, they, they can take. Um, insurance agencies are not the most honest places. No, they're not. Um, and so, and then when you look at Obama's donors, that kind of gives you a, a bigger idea of why he was doing it, you know, as far as who was giving him money, Goldman Sachs, people that are connected to these insurance companies by, if not donors, by owning them themselves, um, or if not by giving money to them as far as loans go. So it's, it's all a big club and we're not in it, I guess you could say. And I feel like with Trump, there's actually hope um, that, that, that big club that's been around since after JFK will be broken up, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I see this whole situation going. Um, everybody knows it's a failure. I haven't seen anybody talk except for Obama, really. <laughs> and even he's, he's telling people not to, you know, to vote early, <laughs> hurry up, hurry up and vote. Don't, you know, hurry up. Well, the other aspect that I didn't like was the fact that they were going to penalize you, that they were going to basically use right. the IRS as a means to penalize somebody if you didn't get it. And then that was upheld as constitutional, which completely yeah. blew my mind. I mean, forcing someone to buy a product, the government, <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> that was, no, yeah. that was stepping over the line, in my opinion. That's a disaster. That's absolutely yeah. Some disaster. Um, yeah, forcing anybody to buy anything—it's just it goes in, it flies in the face of everything that the founding fathers even stood for. <laughs> so that's that's just insanity. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think that anybody could really argue for it unless you've read that huge what was it twenty two thousand pages of it. <laughs> yeah, that's Ridic- not going to happen. Exactly. So I mean, that's kind of they wanted to muddy mud, muddy the waters with that whole. Uh, 22,000 pages, just, I guess, so people wouldn't pay attention. And it passed, and somebody's going to repeal and replace it. Now, replacing it is going to be a different story. I have no idea what they could even uh, go to at this point. (laughs) Right. They can't be giving gifts to the insurance agencies and expect them to be honest. Right. That's just not gonna work. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. And and there was there I think that too that there was so much hope that young people were gonna sign up for it on in droves and oh, that yeah. it was gonna be less older people and more younger people. That did not happen. The exact right. opposite happened. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and again, that goes back to a, a system that they don't really do much re- much research in. If they would have just looked at history and seen yep. that, you know, even Marxist Leninist people back in the day were against, uh, you know, the socialist healthcare system for that exact reason. It's a, it, for me, it was a database. That's why I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the Colorado laws or whatever, but even even that, you have to get a card. That would even scare me, just because they know who you are now. Like they know that guy is the guy that smokes weed or whatever, you know. So <laughs> again, I just I, I think into the I think into. Well, I don't think much. they have a problem with that in Colorado, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I know some. Some police officers that have told me that it's so out there, it's crazy. Well, let's talk yeah. about foreign policy. Uh, okay. I had to commend you because you did some pretty good work on the whole. Um, remember the boy that was in the in the ambulance uh, yeah. and uh, in CNN on from in Syria in Aleppo. 
You know that place yes. that Gary Johnson doesn't know the name of? Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. The, they just bombed it a couple days ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you showed that there was a guy that was in the crowd uh, that was that was filming the little boy in the ambulance, and you right. actually had a picture, and this is on Facebook that you did this, and then you had another picture of this guy, and he was a member, member of Al Nusra. Correct. So, yeah, uh, I commend you on that one. I actually mentioned you on the show that time, uh, uh, when we talked about that issue. But uh, talking about um, foreign policy, what? because I, I personally think that Obama's foreign policy, and I thought, I actually will say this, Trump did a good job in, the, in, that, in that third debate at the, towards the end you know, they made a huge big deal about him saying that he would look at the results after the election and he would he'd keep right. everybody a mystery. But what he said about Obama's foreign policy was very erudite and very spot on, I felt. And, you know, so how do you think that that is going to change? And a corollary to this question would be how is our um, relationship with Russia going to change? Okay, so the first to, to hit on the first question as far as how is uh, our foreign policy going to change? Sorry, I'm oh. good with two part questions. Sometimes three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, so here's here's how Obama has fought ISIS. Um, he when when uh, Secretary of State Clinton decided to overthrow Gaddafi or Gaddafi, however you want to say it, uh-huh. he um, he allowed, I guess, allowed for it and decided that. He was going to pull out troops and hit the rebels uh, pretty much take over. Those same rebels who he armed became ISIS. That's not – I mean I don't think that's pretty – that's not debatable. I'm, I'm assuming everybody knows that. So the foreign policy of Obama has been a disaster just because pretty much him and him and Clinton armed the rebels who later became ISIS, number one. Number two, he's very – I will friendly. say this though, Rob. I think a lot – some of that did start under Bush. I will. I, I will say that. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do not. I do not. I'm not going to agree with anything. There was Bush a did. lot of continuity between uh, <laughs> between Bush and Obama. A lot more than people think, and especially with um, that he kept the the secretary, the same secretary of defense. He kept Gates on for two, three more years. Yes. Okay. Yes. So anyway, sorry. That's a digression. But no. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I, to be completely honest, I think Cheney was running the whole thing. Bush was kind of just a puppet. That's my that's my opinion of it. Sure. Um, not to say that Bush hasn't done evil things because he's a Bush, <laughs> but I mean they're just they're they're just you know head of the CIA becomes your president. That's kind of that's kind of iffy. You know what I mean? It, it's just kind of weird. But um, yeah, we can get into that whole thing with I I think Daddy Bush has been a big influence on on uh a lot of the stuff that's gone on as far as foreign policy goes um so globalism is globalism i don't think we need to you know as far as republican and democrat if you're a globalist you're going to want to take over other countries that's what you do you you do not care about people uh you care about money you care about power um so the bushes the clintons obamas they all really they all really kind of fall into that same team if you think about it um Obama sold his, I feel like, sold his soul um, to, to Saudi Arabia. Um, and what I mean by that is he's pretty much gone with whatever they like and whatever they want as far as the takeover in the Middle East. Um, with the Gulf states, the House of Saud, that whole thing. Sure. Um, Look what's going so, on in Yemen right now. Nobody's really talking about that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason they're not talking about it is because there's a lot of covert operations, I'm assuming, uh, that nobody wants uh, – 
the, the gift that was given to the American people was that the, a cameraman watched as the plane got loaded with those $400 million. That was a gift to the media. Because if we had not known about that, can you imagine? You know, it would just be, it would have just been another 400 million gone that, <laughs> that people couldn't account for. If you, you talk think. about what was given the, you talk about what was given to yeah. Iran to Iran. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so like, you know, he's, he's laying down for Turkey and for Iran and the Gulf States. And it seems to me like the foreign policy is, uh, you know, keep out the good people and bring in the bad and attack countries that the Saudi Arabians deem worthy of attack. And uh, that's how it looks to me from, you know, just zooming out and looking at what, what Obama's done. Um, as far as ISIS and that whole, the whole um, caliphate or whatever, um, it's it's really strange. I mean, there's a lot of disinformation going around. I used to do a lot of research on it. That's how I got that picture from that guy that was Al Nusra, mm-hmm. right. um, that was beheading a kid in the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the point we made on this show is everybody was talking about that child in the back of the ambulance when the same guys that were taking his picture had earlier beheaded a 12-year-old. Right, yeah. right. And I don't, and <laughs> a lot of people think Trump's anti-Islam, and that's, again, another big misconception. I'm not anti-Islam. I, love, I have friends who are Islamic. I mean, I, it's not about that religion. I see a very big problem with a sect of Islam that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. There's a certain sect and there's a, there's certain groups within it um, that see, I guess, vulnerable, vulnerable people that'll, that will, you know, just listen to the imams instead of, you know, reading yeah. what Muhammad truly had said. Yeah. Wah- Wahhabism. Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah. I kind of wanted to go there. Yeah. But so, so my point is that there's definitely, it's just like in, in Catholicism. Um, I grew up Catholic actually. And, being in Catholicism, in, you know, around that, you know to stay away from certain priests that are going to do certain things to certain body parts of yours, if you know what I'm going with. So you do know that there's certain kids that are getting that, ha- you know, had it happening to them, the choir boys or whatever. Just there's there's all there's sick people in every religion is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and there's sick people that will try to take advantage of the youth in every religion. It's not just Islam. It's not just you know what I mean? It's not, it's not one religion. It's just. Why do bank robbers rob banks? Because that's where the money is. <laughs> you right. know, so why do why do pedophiles go around, you know, children and schools and, you know, want to teach and want to, you know, it's that's where the kids are. That's what they like. I mean, that's it's a common sense. Um, so I think we've gone way off track. But, but as, <laughs> as far as as far as the foreign policy stuff goes, I mean, it really seems to me like it's it's a protect Islam at all costs foreign policy. For, for whatever reason, I don't know if Obama's just being paid really well by them. I don't know if he's, I, I don't want to say he's Muslim. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't, I doubt it. Like I said, cause he does a lot of weird stuff that Muslims wouldn't do. So I, I don't know. Um, I just, yeah, think I, I, I think people get too hung up on that whole thing, whether he's right. Muslim or he isn't, they <laughs> get too hung up on that. I mean, this is yeah. the same relationship <laughs> that we've had with Saudi Arabia for 70 years. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and it's the same thing. It's just the same people involved. So like right. people get hung up on, is he a Muslim? Whatever. I, you know, it's, <laughs> right. it, it, it's not that the point is, the fact that he's very, and I think it's it's a it's a good question to ask, only because what you what people see as far as his behavior. But as far as like 
going into that, it really doesn't matter. He's a globalist. He likes money. Um, he likes to uh, he likes power above anything else. So, you know, he hangs around with the Clintons. He's fighting for the Clintons. He knows he messed up by having that be Obama at Ameritech.net email. He knows he's going to go down <laughs> if if they really get into it. So, I mean, he knows all these things. He's not a stupid man. Um, so, yeah. what, so what do you think Trump will do to improve relations with with countries that our relations are strained with, such as I think the most important one would be Russia. Right. And how do you think that that's going to, is, do you think that he would work with Russia to try to get rid of ISIS, uh, to try to resolve the Syrian conflict? Uh, do you also think, and because, and also in that same debate, um, you know, Trump talked a lot about Iran and uh, almost casting Iran as being, as being the enemy. Right. And, uh, you know, that is something that, uh, you know, us going after Iran would no. be, that would be um, inimical to closer ties with Russia because Russia and Iran are allies with each other. Correct. So it's I, like, I, it doesn't make any sense to me in some ways. Sure. I mean, I feel like when, when he talks about Iran, he's talking about the, uh, the nuclear deal, whenever he brings that up. I, I, I yeah. have no... I have no doubt that once I once he does get into office and and Iran and Saudi Arabia even you know and Russia and all these people that want to make deals are going to sit at the table with him. I, I have no problem believing that just because he's done it for so many years. And I kind of want to bring back that whole you asked me earlier how did how did Trump you know how did I start following him I guess or whatever um, after uh, he announced I was actually anti Trump for about a day or two. Just because I was like, this guy's joking, just like everyone else, I guess, you know, he's a joke. Um, but then I used to read, you know, self-help, self-improvement, self-help, real estate kind of books, that kind of stuff. And I remember him saying in one of his books, he doesn't get into anything without knowing he's going to win. And that stuck with me in the book since I was, you know, younger before he became a presidential candidate. So I went back and I read some of the stuff he had wrote, written and I was like, okay, he's pretty consistent. Let me research him. And the more I researched, the more I saw that he's had the same stances for, I mean, 30, 40 years. He hasn't changed anything. Whereas his the people that he is going up against, I mean, you can even go online and see how Clinton's flip-flopped on gay marriage. She's flip-flopped on foreign policy, depending on where the wind turns with the re- reset button. And now Russia's the enemy. So, I mean, it really just, it depends. Here's what I think is going to happen. First day first 100 days, whatever. Um, I feel like him and Putin are going to have him, Putin. And once he finds out, because a lot of this stuff, he can't really know until he's president. But once he gets these advisors to tell him, look, Iran's not our enemy. You, we need to go after ISIS. They, these are the people that are you know, funding them. And once he finds out you know, the real intel, because I know that he's getting briefings, but it's a lot different when you're in the actual Oval Office that can make decisions. You know, they're going to give you a lot better intel from what I understand. And I don't think Obama's getting the same intel that Hillary's getting. So point being, I feel like he's going to take just the way he would take anything. You know, woman rink. He saw that it was a failure and he decided, let's see the best way to not only help myself, but help everybody else. That's kind of his motto. That's kind of his mentality. If you, if you kind of notice, I mean, he does help himself, but he also enriches everybody else's life along with it. He's done that in business. And I feel like he'll do that in the Oval Office once he's there, definitely. Okay. Before we get to uh, the WikiLeaks and we get into some things about uh, yeah. revelations about Hillary, I want to give the chance to these two guys, Rob One over here and Luke 
to chime in if they got any questions for you. What's going on, guys? Or observations. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to just sit back and absorb it at this point because I'm I'm openly not a fan of Trump or Hillary or, or any options that we we've had. <laughs> Right. But I, I, I do. I mean, I, I definitely respect where you're coming from. Thank you. Um, I don't know much about immigration. That was definitely interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of questions at this point. Luke, <clears throat> uh, did we start? No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is our court jester, by the way. This is a- <laughs> what's going on. Man? You, you and I would get along. Sure. <laughs> I try to be funny, and most of the time I fail. Yeah, yeah that's how it is. 90% failure rate is usually how it goes. <laughs> what do you think that you wanted to ask, Luke? Uh, not really. Uh, and, and, you know, if you've listened to the show before, you could tell that I'm not big on politics. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, like a lot of other people, are just kind of exhausted by it at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so am I. So mm-hmm. am I, man. Um, it's, it's, it's I think all four of us are there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is exhausting. It's been a horrible, horrible campaign. Both sides have been really nasty. So it's taken out a lot just from the American people in general. Um, but, I mean, if you, if, a lot of it's just common sense what you believe in. If you, if you believe that open borders are the way to go, then, hey, man, by all means, vote for Hillary Clinton. If you believe that you, know, you're, you don't need a gun, that the government is the only people that needs a gun, vote Hillary Clinton. Um, if you believe the exact opposite of that, it's Trump. It's really an easy choice. I don't know how anybody's undecided with this, to be completely honest. It's just, when you look at their policies, it's night and day. That's how I see it. Well, um, and, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I got something different to say. You're what? I, I say go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I've got something unrelated to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that was it, really. It's just, it's night. And, it's a night and day issue. It's not a... It's not muddied up at all. They're, if you go to their sites, you can just check it out. And she always pushes her website because it has a bunch of stuff that she, you can buy. And it keeps popping up. <laughs> There's a bunch of pop-ups. It's insane. The pop-up, the number of pop-ups she has on her website, her her internet staff or whatever needs to be fired. Because I've closed her site more times than I've opened it. I'll put it that way. It's just it's that bad. Uh, yeah. So well, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about WikiLeaks. You know, sure. I, I have. I do not have time to go through all those emails and read all that stuff. And you probably have read a a lot more of them. So what is in there that is, that stands out to you that could be potentially damaging to her? Everything. Um, (laughs) I I think I'll, I'll give you something more, you know, I guess precise. Um, there's a lot of, you just get an overall idea of how she does her business. And it has a lot to do with you help me, I'll help you. Um, everything's controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that can really hurt her was that Moroccan king thing. I mean, that right there, if that's not literal paid for play in every sense of the word, I don't know what is. Oh, I haven't heard but, about this. Yeah, this the king of Morocco gave her $12 million. I'm sorry, gave William J. Clinton $12 million. Um as a gift while she was secretary of state about two months later. I want to say it was in May when that gift was given to him Um, in July, Morocco got this really awesome weapons deal passed through that had to go through her office. 
Now they're gonna they say, well, she didn't have anything to do with it or whatever. You know, that's their excuse. But <laughs> that right, yeah. But that right there tells me that if you can't prove pay, prove a pay to play there, then something's wrong with the law. <laughs> it's it's not, it's literally right there in your face. That one right there stood out to me. Um, there's a lot of other stuff coming out. Just again with the way they treat her internally, they they have no respect for Hillary. Um, it feels to me like they just are on her um, gravy train. You know what I mean? Like she's a horrible person, but they're getting paid by her, so they're going to have to do what they have to do to just get her in the office and just. Are we talking about her support, like Huma Abedin and people like this? Yes. Yeah, Brian okay. Fallon, uh, Abedin, uh, Palmieri, um, who's the other guy? Robbie Mook, that guy. Uh, he, they're just, they have this real, like, nasty, uh, racist kind of, um, yeah, like, there's a real nasty tone in all these emails. Um, I mean, there's, an, there's another one by Ro- uh, Robbie Mook that said something like, white people say it better or something. Like, it's just this real nasty, like, underlying, we hate everybody, like, we're better than them, but we have to kind of deal with them attitude. Um, that's kind of what I've gotten from it, really. I mean, I've gone through so many. There's a lot of stuff in there that you can kind of dig into more, but I like looking at the big picture as far as what how the campaign runs. And it runs like a well-oiled machine, but it, it's running to the wrong direction, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody internally is fighting. They're very... Um, I, if you if you go if you say something against them they attack you they called one uh, Middle Eastern journalist a terrorist because he said something bad about Hillary Clinton once like things like that that are just that's not the America I know you know what I mean like that's just not the those aren't the people I grew up with those, these people are very like catty and just ugh. <laughs> that's the best way I can explain it it's just it, it's it's just the bombshells are in there the bombshells are in there but if the American people really just took a look at the big picture, they can see that this is a campaign that's just trying to prop up a puppet because there's a lot of money involved and they're going to all lose their gravy train if she falls out or if she, you know, gets, you know, not, not doesn't get elected or whatever. So that's kind of how I feel they're, uh, you know, attacking Trump is, you know, they're trying to go everything that is her weakness. They're attacking Trump on. Um, with, yeah. I was with, about to say, cause a lot of what you just said, I mean, it's stuff that I've heard about Trump as well. So this is exactly. not, yeah the same kind of thing. Yes. Um, that's one of Alinsky's, I think it's rule four and his rule for rules for radicals was uh, attack your enemy at your weakest point or something. Yeah. Um, so that's what they do. I mean, that's why they go after Russia. Uh, the uranium deal is one of her weakest points. If he just knocked that out of the park a few times, people would get into their head, but they're attacking him on Russia saying that they even, I mean, I've had people accuse me of being a Russian hacker. <laughs> so, so that's that's why I'm saying it's that bad. Like, so they're it's good disinformation, but if you just basically take whatever they're attacking Trump or or saying about Trump and and flip it and look into it, you'll see that Hillary is connected in some way to something like that. That's bad. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Let's talk about because this. Is, well, one thing that came out today. Mm-hmm. Was uh, they were talking about you know this these latest emails that they found in Anthony Weiner's computer, which I thought it was interesting that Huma Abedin, well it's her, her computer as well. And I thought it was interesting that they were all in a in a folder called life insurance. I found that really <laughs> strange. Yeah, uh, 
<laughs> but uh, you know, this came out today that that those emails, the, the FBI has just said that uh, those are not. There's nothing really pertinent to the previous investigation. So I don't know if that's been put to rest now. It was just extraordinarily bad timing that that all happened. And of course, you know, Bill Maher. I was watching him, and he was throwing a fit about how the FBI was politicized <laughs> and all this. And I'm just thinking, no. Oh, the, you know, yeah. he calls Trump a whiny little bitch, but he was whining a lot on that <laughs> exactly. on that show. And, oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, it, 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 it's, it's a, like they're just doing their job. I mean, they're following up on a lead, you know, obviously. But, right. but you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. But there's other things that, you know, I've been hearing all this stuff and I see all this stuff on Facebook. I, like I said, I don't really have time to look into it. But sure. uh, this is like – the pedophile ring aspect of this, you know, what's going on here? Because we were talking about this uh, in relation to uh, another guest that we had on last time. Right. And uh, are you, do you know much about what's going on with this? I do. I do actually. Um, just, I mean, I don't know if I'm an expert on it actually, but I do know I've been reading the, the chans or whatever uh-huh. and uh, going on Reddit and just kind of going, there's, there's a really good, uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh, the Donald uh-uh. subreddit. No. Okay, so on Reddit, there's. Uh, I think Luke does the Reddit. So I'm not. I don't. Oh. I don't mostly do the Reddits. No, okay, I'm. So. I'm just Facebook. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Yeah, guys, there's. It's a huge uh, bank of information about just everything Trump. It's a uh, just. You can just type in the Donald in Google, and it'll, it's. It's really one of the best places. That's where I get a lot of my information. Um, so it's one of the best places to kind of just, and it, it, it's not, it's very, it's not bipartisan at all. It's very pro-Trump, but it does have uh, a lot of the breaking news that I post and stuff. It comes from there. Um, okay. So yeah, there's a lot of people that basically the the consensus on this new uh, FBI stuff. I feel bad for Comey. Let's get that out there. I feel really, really horrible for him just because of the position he's in. Um, he's really kind of damned if he does and he da- damned if he doesn't. That's how I see it. Um, so, so that being said, he and other people have come out and said that there are two investigations, one into the emails and one into the Clinton foundation. He made a statement today saying that what he said back in July, which was before we knew about the Clinton foundation, um, was pretty much okay. Or I guess he was not going to follow that. I have a feeling, and this is just my theory that they're just taking resources that they need to go after the foundation. I'm not, that's just because he didn't say anything. He didn't mention any foundation or anything else. Um, he left it really vague on purpose. And if you work or if you were, have worked around Intel circles or people that work in that kind of stuff, there's a lot of stuff that they leave out on purpose, um, to kind of, kind of, uh, I guess, signal the other guys that this is where you need to go instead of here. So that I think that's what he was doing, to be honest. Um, that kind of was what it looks like. And I think that they're going to run with it and try to say that there's nothing there. And, and I think that that's just going to kind of dig their hole even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I see it. Is the, is this pedophile ring? Is this, um, is this something that's associated with what is it? Jeffrey Epstein? Yes. Is this what this is about? You know, I've, right. I've heard, I, I have heard Trump being linked to that as well. Yes. So Epstein is linked to Trump through the black book. Um, so is Oprah Winfrey though. So, so that's about as much as he's linked to him. Um, Let, I know let's they, explain though, first about the, what this is all about, but Jeffrey Epstein, what, what's going sure. on, what is going on with him? Okay. So from my research, what Jeffrey Epstein or who he is, um, he is a, 
a hedge fund manager for private clients who he won't tell, he won't say who they are. Um, and he pretty much is a jet setter. He has a, he owns a private Island in, um, the, I want to say American Virgin Islands. I don't think they're the the BVIs. I think it's the other ones, but in the Virgin Islands, he owns a private Island that, uh, has been nicknamed Lolita Island, I think. Oh, um, that's nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's certainly um, telling. Yeah, no, and I, I've got pictures and stuff. I can definitely send them to you if you want. Huh. Like, not, not of anything bad. It's just it's just of the island and some yeah, real, yeah, yeah. real estate listings and stuff that I found of it back in the day. But yeah, so this island um, is purported to be the place where uh, they film all these like uh, pedophile rings happening and. The more you dig on Epstein, I, I found this out. This is something I haven't really told many people. But what I found out was um, he's really into uh, human eyeballs as far as um, like displays of them in his house. And the weird connection with that is if you look at old pictures of Jimmy Seville, that other uh, pedophile guy. Yeah, we've from, talked about this. Uh huh. He has an eyeball ring. Okay. In his old pictures, it's and it looks like a human eye. So I that was a kind oh, of gotcha. Oh. Yeah, that was a kind of weird connection between those two guys and the whole pedophile thing. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. Again, that's just something I connected on my own that was weird. Um, but anyway, so this Jeffrey Epstein guy was kind of like a mover and shaker. So he knew pretty much all the all the rich people in Manhattan, uh, New York, uh, pretty much all the whole state, really. Um, and then as far as L.A. as well, like all the celebrities and stuff. So he had this black book. And I think it was in the, I think it was like 2008. He and Ghislaine Maxwell or Ghislaine, I don't know how to even pronounce her name, but she is his, uh, I guess his finder for these, she finds these girls for him. Um, he says it's his girlfriend. They don't really look like boyfriend and girlfriend, but whatever. Uh, it's, uh, she is the daughter of a Mossad agent from uh, back in the day, Robert Maxwell. I don't know if y'all have talked about him before. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I don't so know. He, he was murdered uh, in, in the ocean. Like he was thrown off his yacht. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Okay. I know what you're talking about. So, mm -hmm. so that guy is his, is her, is just Lane Maxwell's um, father. Yeah. He ran a newspaper. Yes. Yeah, in, in Britain. Yeah. Right. And it came out later that he was a Mossad uh, double agent for Mossad and all this other kind of weird stuff that was connected to him. So she's been in, if you go back, she's been in, the public eye for years uh, back when Robert F. Kennedy or I'm sorry, JFK Jr. Actually, when he was um, like going around the Manhattan circles and like the, you know, the, the bridge people, I guess you could say um, there's some articles where she comes out with him. So she's been this just Lane Maxwell's connect. really, really well connected. Now, I don't know if, how that connects to the pedophile thing, except for that. She is now Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend. This same girl who's connected to Epstein was seen at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Um, so that's the kind of the connection. And then as far as the actual Island goes, um, Bill Clinton has been on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane. I think a total of like 300 times. Hmm. Um, they always say it's for fundraising. They, uh, but I think 30 of those times he's asked for, uh, no secret service detail to go along with them. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's just you know it's everything's right there in front of you except the pictures of them actually doing it with <laughs> underage 
girls. Well, um, I, saw, I saw somebody post something today about, uh, I think it was William Ramsey. He posted something about, uh, there was a picture of one of these underage girls with Bill Clinton. Yeah. That, yeah. I have uh, a few actually of, I think it was Prince Albert, if I'm not mistaken, um, <clears throat> that he was taken, it was taken with an underage girl. And if, if you zoom out, zoom in a little more, you can actually see the pic- the person taking the picture is uh, that Ghislaine Maxwell woman. So here's kind of my theory on it, honestly. Um, I think Epstein is either hired or paid by either Israeli intelligence or one of them um, to blackmail politicians to have blackmail info on them by, you know, whining and dining them, taking them to this island, getting this video of them, whatever, whatever, um, and then just using it as blackmail. Because everything I've found, I it's almost like I hit a roadblock wherever I hit. And honestly, the guys I've asked, they say, yeah, it sounds like he's intel. Like he, when you're when you're deep embedded like that, a lot of roadblocks happen on purpose, like to kind of the breadcrumbs don't really match up and stuff. And it feels to me like just the research I've done, it feels to me like that's what he is. He's mm-hmm. kind of an agent and show is she of like, you know, to have power over these politicians. That's what they do. Um, and that's what they did with Bill Clinton, I'm assuming. Uh, because, again, I mean, it's really strange that the Monica Lewinsky thing happened um, and he's still out there just okay. Like, it, it's very strange, just the whole situation of of how uh, the liberals, the liberal side can say that it's okay to have a ch- uh, not only a child molester, that's what's been coming out, but a rapist in the White House. Like, it's just, I don't understand how they, the mental gymnastics that goes on to be able to say, like, Oh, he's not running for president is what they say. But like they made fun of Melania saying she wasn't like presidential material for like a speech she did or something. But <laughs> but they're, they're not saying anything about Bill Clinton's rape yeah. allegations. You know, it, it's just it, the mental gymnastics is weird. It's hard for me to kind of you know wrap my, my mind around it. But yeah, that's that's my theory on Epstein is that he is a, a double agent, maybe trying to get blackmail material and all these guys. Um, and which they, has happened many times. I mean, that's not that that's that, unfortunately, that's nothing very unusual, correct. you know, and that's probably in many ways how, uh, unfortunately how our government runs in some ways. Yeah. yeah well, being from ca- uh, Catholic upbringing, that's also how they run. I mean, a lot yeah. of these guys, yeah, a lot of these guys have the same, uh, look, I guess you could say, I mean, Epstein just has that, that weird, Kind of like Ted Danson in like creep show look, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just very. That's a nice '80s reference there. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that that, that show. But um, yeah, so Epstein. Uh, I, I here's the thing though. Uh, people are getting their hopes up on this. I really don't see it coming out, even if there is any truth to it, just because right. it's so it's so bad. Right. You know. Well. You might, I- you, you might hear about it like, uh, oh, some pedal ring was broken up or whatever, but you're not going to hear that Bill Clinton was in a video. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's There's no way that's going to happen and, unless he really screws them over. And you know what? It could also bounce back to the other side. It could bounce back to the Republicans and the conservatives because if you've ever studied the Franklin cover-up, yeah. uh, that it was primarily Republican-based. Yes. And some of the things that you see uh, that go on at Bohemian Grove, that is a mostly Republican club. So right. this stuff happens on both sides, and it could bounce back. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's not going to – this is probably not going to go anywhere, honestly. Right. 
Yeah, I, and but I think a lot of it, maybe it was even misinformation. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I can say is what I can, what I find, and then from there, kind of make my conclusions. What I do know that that isn't something that should be taken lightly is the Clinton Foundation. That's one hundred percent crooked in every single way, shape, and form. I've looked into it so many times. I've looked into uh, David Brock's foundations. It's all interconnected. It's insanity that they're even getting away with it. Um, the only thing I can think of is that there's somebody in the Justice Department that is squashing all of these investigations because I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vessel News. I post their uh, links every now and then. Um, but a good friend of mine, Joshua, who actually writes for them, told me that he was going to have a, a guy that works with Charles Ortel, the, the guy that's actually investigating the Clinton Foundation in New York City. Um, and he's just broke down how it works, how it's a scam, what they scam, who they scam, and how much money they take in. I mean, it's all there. It's all on his website. It's crazy. Of which, um, by the way, you know, the Bushes, the uh, George H.W. is involved with the Clinton yeah. Foundation as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and and one point that I was going to make about, uh, about the Bush family, you know, I— it was interesting to find out that the guy that, you know, that whole video, the, the grab the pussy video, that right. Billy Bush is actually the nephew of George H.W. Bush and the cousin of George W. Oh, yeah. It goes. It, and, not, and, not and, only and then they were talking about this whole like he was there was this rumor that he was going to make millions off of his deal to leave TMZ or whatever. Right. And, right. And, and and they were saying it was twelve million. Well, it turned out not to be that, but it was still a pretty hefty chunk of change. And so that's that's interesting. I I think that video probably actually came from Billy Bush. It did. It yeah. did. Um, not only did it probably come from him. I mean, to think that that wasn't some kind of a Hillary uh, somehow. If not her personally, maybe her one of her people that that were holding on to it until they needed it. I mean. That just screams of just somebody throwing it out there right right when it needed a hit. And it, it worked. It did work. I heard a lot of people saying it was over, um, mm -hmm. that, that they couldn't support him. Even Jason Chaffetz came out and said that. Um, to be honest, I mean, what, what that was, was uh, I've never said that. Personally, I've never said grab her by the pussy. That's just kind of a, <laughs> a silly thing to say more than anything. But... I've said some lewd stuff. I mean, I've been drunk. I've been at bars. I've, I've, you know what I mean. I, you do that. You're, you're a human being now. now Everybody I, has said something terrible right. at one point or the other. Right. right. Yeah. So if that's, so what I'm saying is, if that's going to be the standard that all politicians are held to from now on, there will never be another male or female truthful politician ever again. You're going to have fake plastic people going up and being politicians and that's not mm -hmm. what you want um that's how i see it because if let's you can't have you can't have said anything ever since the beginning of time <laughs> since you were born or it's going to be held against you is what it kind of showed and signaled to everybody and to me too um i'm pretty sure i have a video out there somewhere that i'm taking a shot and you know doing crazy stuff so i mean it's <laughs> just a matter of somebody finding that and then holding that against you I think that's kind of a, a bad tactic, if you ask me, um, mm. because we're humans. We make mistakes. Donald Trump's been in the public eye for 30 years. If that's the worst thing they can find on Donald Trump, man, he, he deserves a, 
a shot of beer. <laughs> well, Rob, thank you so much, brother. We uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get going here, but uh, cool. tell everybody where they can contact you, and uh, if you got any like what your web presence is, and uh, what uh, you're gonna be working on. Sure, um, I'm actually working on the WikiLeaks stuff right now. Um, I'm with Vessel News. You can find some of my stuff that I've written out there. It's uh, vesselnews.com. Um, you can also check out on just on Facebook, just my post. It's uh, the nighttime is my uh, I guess my profile, except that the the E at the end is a three, just because I wanted to be super cool and hacker like, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's the nighttime, and and it's also my Twitter. Now it's been it's been uh, suspended for some reason uh, lately. Uh, I actually had four Twitter accounts suspended in one day, so that was kind of a, a crazy day. But um, Twitter right now is official Trumps Trumpster. I think um, I'm not too sure because, like I said, I got it suspended. But the best way to contact me would probably just be my Facebook. Um, it's uh, Facebook.com/slash the nighttime with a, a three instead of an e at the end. Okay. Well, excellent, Rob. Thank you so much. And uh, it's, it's hold on uh, for us. And guys, we will be back to continue part two of the election special with uh, Scotty Roberts and Rocky Stucci on Conspiracy Normal. All right, guys, we are back on Conspiracy Normal. And we have on the line. One of the two guests we thought was coming on, uh, that was, that is Rocky Stucci. Uh, Scott, he's, he's, pro- he's probably in a ru- he's probably studying some biblical verses or something. So you know he might have got tied up somewhere. Uh, you know he really don't believe in the Bible, but he still has to study his verses. Well, maybe he's got his monocle on and he's you know his magnifying glass and he's looking at the uh, the Bible code or something. I don't know, but he's he's MIA. <laughs> he is MIA. He's probably reading up on spirit cooking you know i swear to god one time i was listening to one of his interviews i might have even been with you guys and somebody asked him like a 20 second question and scotty had scotty had a 45 minute answer for one question i swear to god and scotty talks to flashlights by the way oh does he mm-hmm. Expl- explain this what's going on here you got because well, you, you know, guys we- were just at some paranormal event not too long ago right well, he went to one on Friday night, uh, you know, because I don't know if you guys ever seen any clips from some of the video that we did down in Fairbowl. And uh, some of the people that go down there, they like to talk to flashlights, you know, when they're doing paranormal research. And and I'm sorry, folks, if you talk to flashlights, you know, hey, that's your prerogative. I I, I don't respect that, but I'll, I'll, I'll whatever, just shut up. Um, so when we were doing Saturday night, just wanted to, we had a sold out crowd and I just wanted to tell everybody before we even started that Scotty talked to flashlights and his face turned just cherry red. Well, no, he's like, I don't talk to flashlights because I was trying to tell the group how flashlights don't work. I says, that's right. So you're trying to tell the group how flashlights don't work. So you asked the flashlight a question. <laughs> so yes, Scotty, you talk to flashlights, brother. And, and I got to say this. I went to school for electronics, you know, just yeah. so I can clear my mind and feel better about this folks. When you use a mag flashlight and you turn it halfway to sit there and talk to ghosts, What's happening is called the arc and spark effect. So you're creating that positive connection close enough to the charge of the battery. It's creating the static charge. And sooner or later, there's going to be enough charge there to turn that light on. So, no, it's not a ghost answering your questions. Thank you very much. But it always works so well on <laughs> ghost hunters, Rocky. I, I'm, I'm, my world is crushed. Yeah, I know. Mine too. <laughs>
About as crushed as it, as about as crushed as it was when I found out that last week was their last episode. My God, we should have celebrations for that. <laughs> Something tells me you're not a very big uh, Ghost Hunters fan here. You know, I used to be, um, but the thing is, it just became so lame. You know, and here's the thing: if you want to let's talk paranormal for a second, you know, when you look at somebody like Ghost Adventures, at least there's substance and some kind of drama or something happening in the show that keeps you drawn in. Ghost Adventures has become so boring and so so much politics in the background, you know, the things that happen off the air that you become so turned off. Ghost Adventures I mean, or th- Ghost Hunters are both. Uh, ghost, ghost Hunters. Yeah. Uh, you know, you would think that they would have had for their final episode, like a special thank you show to all the people that have paid their bills for the last 12 years and maybe brought in some people from the past. And, and they had a two-hour special and just says, you know what, guys? You made this possible. Thank you all so much for all your loyalty to us over all these years. We're moving on to bigger and better things, but this last show is for you. And they couldn't even do that. What did they do? Nothing. I didn't even it was see just, it. It was just like a regular another episode. They knuckled each other at the end of the show and said, on to the next. And that was it. That was their last episode ever. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, not, not to get too much on this, but they took a big hit with me with the whole like, uh, whatever that was in, in Grant's jacket in 2008. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I do. But you know, and you lured, there's another show too. Um, a good friend of ours, um, uh, the one from Britain or whatever, the one from England. What am I trying to think of guys? You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, the most haunted, I think is the name of the show. Okay. Yeah. And they got busted. They literally tied a rope around a guy's waist and tried to sell people that he was being drugged by a ghost. And you can see the the, the rope as clear as day. And this that is show TV was show. ridiculous. It really was. It's like there is no way in holy hell that you can go to all these locations and have that much activity at all these locations every time you go. And so it's just it's become so staged. And you know what? The reality is, is that most of the time you go to these places, nothing happens. Sometimes ever uh but you know and i think that's what i think they're kind of misleading people on is the fact and the reality of what it's really like mm. yeah it's true and speaking about misleading reality here we are scotty we're, being scotty saying he was going to be here at six talking about misleading yeah well yeah there, there <laughs> I kinda you want to smack him. I, i'm not gonna lie i kind of <laughs> want to smack him right now you know he, he abandoned us man <laughs> yeah we we feel like abandoned children right now Daddy, when, Daddy, when are you coming home? I'm sending him a text right now. <laughs> F you, Scotty. <laughs> and Luke said he wants a spoon with you, but you're still a punk. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Rocky, you know, you guys, have, you and Scotty and uh, John Ward, you guys have been talking about a lot um, on the uh, Situation Room. Yeah. I've been I've been listening. I've really been enjoying it lately. Appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I find the give and take really good, really refreshing. I like how you guys don't, don't just stick to, uh, what's going on with, you know, domestic politics with this election, but also with, you know, international stuff as well. I've had John on, on the show back in the summer and we had a really good show about like, kind of like how, well, basically it came down to like how political realignments were kind of shifting and, uh, but I want to get into, let's, let's talk a little bit about the election. I'd like to know sure. where you stand on th- the election and what's, what's going on, how you feel about these candidates. Well, you know, okay, I'll break it down. And, you know, if you listen to my show and if you listen to my views on the sit room, 
I, I think there's no doubt that my political views are leaning more towards the conservative side of things, but I, I don't like to label myself as any particular party, liberal, conservative, left, right, Republican, Democrat. I don't want to label myself anymore because I think our problems are much bigger than taking a side. I have gotten grief from friends of mine in the conservative radio industry because I will not grab my ankles for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here's the reason why is that I'm a, we can go back historically to any presidential campaign and we are constantly being sold lip service. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I promise you this. And I promise you that, but what are the chances? And if you look historically, statistically at the amount of things that actually get done that they say they're going to do in a political mm-hmm. campaign, the majority does not even get done. I mean, look at Obama, but all the things he said he was going to do in 2007, for the 2008 uh, presidency, he hasn't done 60, 70% of the things he actually said he was going to do, but yet he still got a Nobel peace prize. Now, Donald Trump, he has no political history. He has nothing to validate his true motives. And, you know, a a lot of ways that we can look at a candidate is to look at their voting history to see where they truly stand on issues. We don't have that with Donald Trump. Do I like what he says? Absolutely. I do. I think anybody who is old school rooted American likes what he says, uh, but right. I cannot just jump on the Trump bus. I cannot do it. And then we have Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, what do I need to say? Uh, you know, we need have somebody like Hillary Clinton. It does. It blows my mind how people cannot see through the veil. They cannot pull themselves out of this matrix of the, this, this I, I, gentlemen, I'm telling you right now that our political system is the most corrupt system in the entire world. And I ask people, tell me countries that we have actually liberated. I mean, we're fighting five (laughs) illegal wars right now that Hillary was a part of getting in there, funding terrorism. We're creating enemies and fighting these enemies. We're creating a worldwide panic. We're creating this forced immigration. And she's part of this. Yeah. So it's hard to look domestically at our problems because when you start understanding things, and this is why I love the sit room, is that we talk about global events. And when you start understanding the global events and oil and pipelines and trade routes, you start understanding how dirty we really are how our political party is really destroying lives around the world. And then you wonder why there's terror groups that cannot stand us. Yeah. So we, we need a major worldwide shift. Do I want peace? Absolutely. I do. Do I, you know, I just, some liberals think that I am this vicious, crazy Bible thumping conservative and no, you know, I want what everybody else wants. I want to be able to wake up and know my family's safe. I want to know that my children have a future. I want to know that this country no matter how you want to argue how it was established, I want to know that this country has a future, that the people in this country have a future, that people that come to this country are going to love this country as much as we love this country. That's what I want. Well, Rocky, do you see, because, I mean, it's a very good point about Trump that a lot of these promises that he makes are, they can be pie in the sky, whereas Obama's right. promises in 2008 were very much pie in the sky. You know, we right. we made a... Um, we made a parallel early on in this campaign. You remember that silly thing about like the, uh, the uh, what were they called? The Freedom Girls or whatever. And oh, they, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, they were they were these little they they're singing the song about Trump, 
And then you had, uh, we were comparing that to 2008 when mm-hmm. there were these songs about Obama that were being sung by children. And we were right, sitting there saying, right. we were talking, so we were talking about the parallels between the two campaigns. Here's a, yet another person that, that is promising all this change just from mm-hmm. the other side of the political aisle. And how much of that is he actually going to be able to get done? We just got finished talking to Rob Gray, uh, mm-hmm. who, is a big Trump supporter, and his big his big passion is immigration and uh, right. fighting illegal immigration. And we were talking right. about the wall. So, are we really going to have this thing implemented? I mean, he's he's not, the president. Thankfully, is not a dictator, yeah. even though it's becoming more and more like that. But Seems he still like it, yeah. he still cannot without Congress pass this stuff, and nobody seems I mean, to I'm, realize that. Let me ask you how how much in your heart do you actually think that he is actually going to build a wall? I, I it's about maybe thirty percent at this point for me. You're right because there is a lot of ropes to go through in order for that wall to be built. Am I against yes. you know? Uh, am I? Do I want a wall? Do we need a wall? Do we need it's like an electric fit? Do we need something? You know, we don't even know how effective we are right now on our borders because our border agents don't even have. The, they can't even do their own job. They're, they have these major restrictions. Uh, I got a good friend of mine from Arizona. He's part of a border patrol group. And they catch 30, 40 uh, illegals coming into this country. Half the time they catch them with um, huge amounts of narcotics. And the narcotics get seized and then they're told to release them, to release these illegals coming in this country. So we don't even know how effective we could be without a wall if our agents that take the oath to protect our borders actually could protect our borders and detain illegals coming into this country. And there is no consequence to come into this country. We, what do we have? We have 200 immigration judges in our country. So if somebody gets arrested for being here illegally, sometimes it takes two to three years before they even get in front of a judge. By that time, they're gone. Mm-hmm. We're going to start seeing you know? Mexican ninjas. Well, we are going to start seeing. And here's the thing is that <coughs> I don't have a problem with, with some of the hardest working people I know are Mexicans or South from South America, Central America. Uh, I really, you know, you talk about the rape epidemic, 80% of Mexican women do get raped by coyotes and other Mexican men while they're coming into this country. That's a fact. But our problem isn't the Mexican people. If uh, we just research, and you guys are fully aware of this, but, you know, down in South America and Central America, the cartels run those countries. Right. They are vicious countries. People are dying every day from drug narcotic warfare. Uh, if yeah. I lived there, I would want to get the hell out of there too. And if coming to this country or coming here to have a baby, what, you know, they call anchor babies, whatever you want to call it, coming here to have a baby, to make that child an American citizen, to try to somewhat ensure a better future for your child. How do you blame them? How do because, you blame because them? who wants to live in a third world hell hole? I mean, just look at, you know, your, you know, your own ancestors, Rocky, you think about it, you know, Italian, right. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of those, a lot of people from Italy, because Italy was a fairly poor country, at least the South, sure and right. the, you know, the, they're basically escaping the same kind of, the same kind of situation. Well, I think, so in regards to immigration, and this is not in defense of Donald Trump, I think this is a greater scope of the reality of of what the issues align with when it comes to immigration is that we have created a world that absolutely hates this country. And the majority of the world that hates this country is the Middle East and Africa. Uh, you have seen, when you uh, right now we are fighting five illegal wars in five different countries. And to my understanding, maybe wrong, but Congress has to approve war. 
but we have these new laws now with war on terrorism. So we don't need congressional approval to go anywhere in the world to fight war on terrorism. So when we go to a country like Iraq, we go to a country like Saudi Arabia or not Saudi Arabia, I'm sorry, Syria. Uh, we go to countries like Africa and we completely destabilize their entire way of life. So for one, yes, we force immigration, but there's a reason that there has been such huge growth in terrorism is because these people are bloodthirsty for the people that destroyed their life, which is America, which is our military, which is our, our greedy political figures that want oil and natural resources from these countries. And these are proven facts, gentlemen. I know mm-hmm. some people don't want to go down that road, but this is what we're doing. We did not liberate Iraq. We are not, we have no intention to liberate Syria. We did not liberate Venezuela. We did not liberate Panama. We invaded them. And yeah. we took everything that they have. We invaded them. That's what we did. So now what the problem is, is that even in the Canadian border, because now a lot of them are, if you look at British Columbia and the amount of the uh, rise of Muslims there, it's growing. But we are having a crap ton of these Middle Easterns that are coming up through California, San Diego, Arizona. And these people that are coming in have major terroristic ties. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is a major national threat. And I'm not saying block all Muslims out of this country. Look at my friends list. I got tons of Muslim friends. But what I'm trying to say is, is that there has to be a better form of security. We got to be able to understand who's coming to this country, why they're coming to this country, and how long they're going to be in this country. Because there's people in here that have been on visas that are two, three years past their expiration date from their visa. So we need to start worrying about the security. And we're not becoming isolationists. I know John always... Um, calls us isolationists. It's not that we're becoming isolationists. It's just we need to regroup in this country first. Middle class is at the lowest it's ever been. Welfare is at the highest it's ever been. And we are crumbling within. And on top of that, we are putting ourselves in danger from a world threat. Sorry, that was a long answer. I feel like Scotty. No, that was a great answer. And I want to add to that too, that, um, you know, you mentioned this kind of briefly, but, uh, any kind of restrictions or any kind of plans we put in place now, it's 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 similar. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. We're not getting to the root right. cause, where the right. root cause right. is us meddling into all kinds of other countries' affairs where we don't belong, where we're after oil, where we're trying to give, you know, so-and-so who's got a company that's a friend of somebody in the government, you know, the go-ahead to rebuild or to do this or that. And it's it's just, it's this corporate, it's this uh big money corporation bullshit that's behind all of these uh, little situations we've got ourselves in that nobody's focusing on or talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think our media does such a brilliant job because our media is sold out. I mean, we have five, six corporations that own 90% of the mainstream media in this country and probably throughout the world. And you can all go back all the way to 1965 where the CIA was being interviewed by our Congress and the CIA even admitted that they have people that are in our media and sell stories to our media sources yeah. or our media outlets. Mm-hmm. Operation to, Mockingbird. To, to, Operation Mockingbird. You got mm-hmm. Operation Northwoods. But see, people don't want to go down that road because it's too conspiratorial for them. Or they think it's too conspiratorial. They think that they got to put on a tinfoil hat. But when you start understanding Operation Mockingbird, we start understanding the infiltration of CIA and other agencies that are destroying our what used to be a news source. Uh, we are being fed, we are being engineered to believe a very specific way and to justify and feel like we're doing the right thing by going into these other countries and literally destroying them. And, and I got a problem with that. I really do. Yeah, well, and uh, the way I always try to put it is that um, 
uh, the media, social media also as well, but um, mainstream media and news, and it's it's such a powerful tool. I mean, we know that it has a huge influence over the average population that there's no reason whatsoever to think that they would not use that for their own agenda. I mean, they'd be ridiculous not to. Right. So what, what's, what's the ultimate, see here, and this is where I sit here and scratch my head all the time, is what is the the overall what is what is the end game i guess is the way to ask that what is the end game without this entire world collapsing right i i don't know that's a it 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 really worries me about the future and it's i mean it's definitely got to worry you i mean i hear i hear you talk about it all the time about you we're worried about your your children and and what's going to happen i think you're more worried about them yeah. Just like I worry about Scotty talking to flashlights. How you doing, Scotty? I don't talk to flashlights. <laughs> you talk to flashlights, bro. They talk to me. <laughs> Welcome, Scotty. <laughs> hey, thank you, Adam. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> so tell us, tell us, Scotty, what's going on, man? What, what, why? I mean, here we are. It's 6:42. You're 42 minutes late. Tell us what happened, brother. Because I'm 42 minutes too, too, 42 years too old. No, I fell asleep on the sofa. My son ran out my uh, my phone battery, so my little boy was playing games on my phone. I had an alarm set on there, and I fell asleep watching watching TV. We thought you well, were studying Bible code, Scotty. We thought you maybe you were doing some Bible research. Well, that's 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 the likely excuse, isn't it? <laughs> well, you, know, you know, Scotty, I, I, uh, I've been found out. Last time we had we had you on the show, I just wanted to share with you that uh, I got an email not too soon afterwards that said that you were a very hateful person and that uh, they would never <laughs> they would never listen to my show again if I had you back on. So I guess I just they lost that. I just lost. Kid. Yeah, I just lost that listener, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> I, I suppose not now what? that I'm back. Well, Scotty, what, did, what did Scotty say that was so hateful? Yeah, I, I, I don't really know. Probably because he supports Trump. I, I, Have I don't, they ever I don't listened know. to anything I've ever had to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Adam, not only are you going to lose a listener, they're going to like like yank your tag tonight after rocking me. <laughs> well, hey, Scotty. Did you go to the Trump rally? I did not. I got tickets to go, and I tried to get Rocky to go with me. And, and at least Lisa wouldn't let him. Why do you got to say it like that for, right? Go I ahead. was going to have Rocky go with me. <laughs> <laughs> My wife couldn't go with me. I couldn't get anybody to go. And I thought, it's fun. I want to go see the Trump rally, but I'm not going to go by myself. It's like going to watch, you know, I don't know, the new Star Trek movie. You want to take somebody with you. Well, let me get your thoughts, uh, Scotty, on what's going on with the election right now. You know, where are you at? Do you, you still kind of support Trump? Do you still do you have a more? Uh, do you think that uh, he's going to? You think he's going to win? What's your prediction? Scotty oh, said. This, Scotty this, said this, he was. Uh, I'm going to channel. Trump. I'm going to channel John Ward. Hey, Scotty, <laughs> Scotty's a Trumper humper. You Trumper so, humper. Trumper humper. You. <laughs> How is it in the Trumper humper world? So, uh, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, you said, am I still kind of going to s- support uh, uh, Donald Trump? I'll tell you what, and Rocky can attest to this. I've never, you could never have said to me, are you kind of supporting Donald Trump? I've always been a supporter of Donald Trump's, and I've never, 
I'm not one of those guys, I think, that has gone out there and is mindless about why I have supported him since, really, since before he even announced. And, um, but there are people out there, I think, that think that people only support Trump because they're mindless or because they're rednecks that can't, uh, that don't know anything about the issues or that they can't think for themselves or uh, whatever the case may be. You've heard all the arguments. And uh, so I have, I have supported him all the way through. There's only a couple of times, and again, Rocky could attest to this as well, only a couple of times where I went, ah, boy, I'm wondering, I'm wondering about him and I want to look into this thing and I can't remember what the particular thing was. But uh, um, no, I've, I've never not supported him throughout the election, but I think my support is also one that is done on a thinking man's level. Um, I don't look at him as being somebody who is bad for the country or the lesser of two evils or anything. Evil. Like, evil. Yeah. Not just evil. It's evil. And, uh, so, and then people, uh, I, I get people asking me all the time and sorry, that's a train in the background. You caught me just at the right time today. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought those were sound effects. I was like, wow, that's good stuff. That yeah, must, like is, 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 that, is that a sound cannon outside your door? Is that what's going on? You got some riot control. Yes. Yeah. No, it's the box cars going by, you know, because Hitler, Hitler is uh, re-embodied in Trump. You know? Wow. That was racist. There you go. Wow. wow. How racist that was racist. Scott, oh. there goes another listener, Adam. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a big problem with lo- all the lo- Losing them left and right. Strike it from That's the record. Right. The Adam Sane, the Adam Sane followership dropped off dramatically this last <laughs> Sunday night. We're not quite sure why. Um, but I have a big problem with people that will say, how can you support him? He's, he's a xenophobe. He's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a womanizer. He's all these things. And, and I just want to sit back and, you know, kind of give him the little golf clap and go, hey, that's very nice. You've just repeated the sensationalist headlines verbatim. Uh, and do you read anything other than or listen to or watch or dig any deeper than the sensational headlines? And what the medium, and and, uh, by the way, Trump's rant at the media, that ain't nothing new. I've known this since before the Reagan years. We've known how the media slants and how the media distorts things. Rock and I, uh, after the last election, well, in the last couple of years, we were talking about, um, oh, Rocky, what was the site uh, with the the film uh, about uh, how- Terrible, terrible, No, 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 how they distorted- the uh, oh, oh, uh, um, Palin, uh, yeah, uh, 2008, uh, how Obama yeah. won the presidency and uh, Sarah yes. Palin, whatever. There you go. And I can't think of the name of the site off the top of my head, so it doesn't matter. Well, hey, Scotty, we were talking, uh, Rocky, and we were talking about, um, you know, Trump making promises. And sure. one of the things we talked about was the wall. I guess that's the big one. That's the big promise, sure. right? So we were talking about the fact that he may not be able to live up to those promises. So what do you think? Do you think that it's because we were talking, we were kind of comparing it to Obama in 2008, how Obama made a lot of promises and that just have not been kept. Well, that's very true. I think, I think what Trump did was he came out very early and said, here's the things that need doing. I'm going to make no excuses for him if he can't keep a promise he makes. I'll call him on him, just like we do everybody else. But I remember when he first came out, he was coming out saying, these are the things I am going to do. 
And it won a lot of support. And then you saw about midway through the election process, even the primary process, I believe, you started to see him pulling back a little bit from the whole wall issue and so on. And I think that's as he was looking at the reality of what it would take to build that wall as opposed to rhetoric. Now, is he still coming out just as strong? And that's his big, strong selling point now is building the wall. No, but that's what the media wants to hold him to. Um, that and that all by itself, that issue and the way it is portrayed in the press is something that should let people know how the press operates and who the press coronates ahead of time, because they're holding him to things he said. It's all he flip flops all over every issue. Well, the, the one thing to always already keep in mind is that. And we all know this, that that Trump is not a seasoned politician. Trump is a beginner politician. Uh, Trump is a businessman who works to get things done. Now, as a businessman, um, you, you know, he could have DSG put behind. Somebody just said to me today, uh, oh, it, it's a good friend of mine uh, that runs a fireworks business up here in the cities. And he said, uh, he said, I don't even have a business card anymore. I used to have my name and I used to have DSG behind my name. That's all I put for all the businesses I run. Uh, DSG, what does that mean? He goes, well, he says, uh, I'm sorry, GGSD. He says, gets, gets shite done uh, was, his, uh, was his title. And I think that's what Trump is all about. He's about the bottom line. He's about saying, there's a goal I want to have, and I want to get that thing done. How are we going to do it? Here is my goal. He will state a goal. I would do that. I would did that with the Paradigm Symposium. I do that with everything we're involved. Rocky and I do it with the radio all the time. This is what we want to do. And then you start looking at the reality and say, ah, do I have to pull that back a bit? Do I have to modify that a bit? And the only problem is in the election, when you've got the press that has already coronated the other candidate, you're going to see that brought up over and over and over again. So Trump today, what does he say? He still insists he's going to build a wall. Uh, so do I don't have any problem with it. I do not think that's xenophobia. I do not think that that is isolationism at all. Um, I think uh, we we have all kinds of protections put into the United States that are not isolationist in nature because it protects us from what's on the other side yeah. of the border. I, I was so, just talking. We were talking to other, uh, our our guests before, and I was just talking about I don't really have a problem with a with a with a wall on the border. That's that's. I mean, I don't have an issue with it, but I do think there should be some kind of program to filter the good from the bad. But that being said. I want to look at maybe, and also to your point about uh, the media bias. I mean, if you look at CNN, and primarily I watch CNN because MSNBC is way to the left and Fox is way to the right. I know Scotty. And CNN I know, is owned by the by the, yeah, by the CIA. But so, well, yeah. yeah, okay. But you know, you you might get more of a balance. But even them, okay, we're just saying, you know, three weeks ago, oh, it's in the bag for Hillary. She's got it. Trump's not going to win. And I'm sitting there thinking. Uh, I don't think so. So let's talk about predictions because I was listening today. I actually turned CNN back on and they were talking about how in Michigan that which has been leaning Democrat, right? The light blue state. They said that uh, 
Hillary is down four points above Trump, where before she had been around eight. Now, these are polls. Take of that what you will. But I really think that Trump is going to win primarily because of Michigan and because of the state you guys are in, Wisconsin, because I think that those two states were probably going to go solidly for him. So it's going to be interesting. So what do you think, Scotty? Rocky, do you think that's, you think that's going to happen? Go ahead, Scotty. Well, I'll tell you this. When I drive around Wisconsin, about the only place in Wisconsin that's probably going to support Trump is going to be Madison. And you know why? Uh, Madison, Madison, the University of Wisconsin, Madison. Wait, Uh, support Trump or Hillary? They'll support Hillary. I'm sorry. You know why? What about Milwaukee, though? Uh, Milwaukee, maybe. Um, You're going to find your your city centers are going to be mostly because you've got a liberal-based university in uh first of all in madison what's yeah. what are what are universities filled with they're filled with millennials <laughs> what are millennials generally made up of nowadays brains full of liberal progressive mush and uh there, <laughs> oh, there goes another two listeners of your show uh, yeah, let me put and a couple co-hosts <laughs> yeah 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 disclaimer <laughs> hey. will be this uh the opinions expressed here tonight are those solely of Scotty Roberts and Rocky Stucci, not necessarily. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of racist, Scotty. I'm just saying, just kind of, just kind oh, of racist. Rocky, there's Rocky Lightfoot over there. Scotty, uh, I was so excited. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. You go, Adam. I know there's so much love, so much love for the millennials out there, but you know, I, I be outside of college campuses. I can kind of see what you're saying, Scotty, but a lot of them aren't, aren't as bad as, as you probably think. Well, I, I have a lot of love for the millennials, I got to tell you, because I, I, I like youth. I like working with youth. I've always loved teaching and, and all the different things that I've done with youth. Was well, you have, ch- you have children that are millennials as well. So I have children that are millennials. And you know what? Yep. My children love them to death. <laughs> Rocky will back me up this. They are, they are liberal progressives. Uh, and uh, we can lots of our They're liberal, progressive, and a bit psychotic. Just got to say that. I <laughs> don't want to get in an argument with my daughters because you know what? I raised them to argue and so uh, and to stand for their points. And so, uh, you know, they might disagree. Dad, we're not liberal progressives. We just, but they, they'll disagree with me vehemently. Uh, they're in a totally different. I raised them as Reagan conservatives and they're now liberal progressives. I think it's just the, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the the typical thing with millennials is I'm going to grow up and and uh, I'm going to do anything but adhere to my parents' uh, political conservatism. So, uh, well, Scotty, you do you, do you think Wisconsin and Michigan? Do you think that those two states are going to go Trump? I think they will. I do because uh, now the city center, especially in Detroit, look at Detroit itself, and you ask, you've got a population in Detroit that has to look at what the liberal left has done for them for the last 30, 40 years, run them into bankruptcy and into nothingness. Um, uh, I think people have to stand back and look at what some of the issues are and how the issues affect them. Look at Flint, Michigan. Um, So all of these places where you're going to have voter enclaves that are larger than the outstate, you're going to see Many times where there's a university or a school, you are going to see a greater liberal population. And uh, now I'm going off the cuff here. I don't have stats in front of me. I'm going just 30 years of watching things. So people are going to go, how do you know that? Well, what's your, how do you back that up? I don't, I watch things. 
I watch mm-hmm. things, I read things, I listen to things. I've been watching elections since I first voted for Ronald Reagan when I was 18. So um, there you go. Uh, so I do think Michigan is going to, it's a tough call, it's close enough, but I think Michigan just may go Trump. And I, I do believe it's a lot of the issues that you're seeing nowadays, or I'm sorry, in the la- later days here toward the election. You've got a lot of undecided folks out there. Right. Uh, it's still... You right. look at all the polling data, and polling can be either a bunch of big BS or it can be spot on, depending on which poll you're looking at. Then you've got to look at who's being polled and the percentage of people they're polling. When you look at all these polls, there's generally, what, 15,000 people at most in some of these big polls. What's that, 0.000098% of the United States voting population? Well, I so, think, I uh, think, guys, that what we're going we're gonna to have is we're going to have a Dewey defeats Truman moment. Yes, Be- we are. Because, uh, you know, that election, 1948, was considered to have gone firmly into the camp of, of Dewey and was and, – and they thought there's no way Truman's going to get elected. And they're saying the same thing about Clinton. They're saying there's no way Trump's going to get elected. And I think that there's just going to be a surprise because if you look at Brexit, that was a surprise. Yeah. That was a huge surprise. Well, I, I think it's going to be a surprise with, uh, with, I do believe Trump is going to pull this off in a, in a big way. Um, I am no prognosticator. I don't put money on it. I don't know the odds on it. All I know is this, that there are a hell of a lot of people I have met over the last several months that are people that are almost like saying, I, I'm a, you know, I, I, I don't want anybody to know this, but I'm a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump supporter. And uh, they're they're like I'm gonna vote for I'll probably vote for Trump but yeah you know he's got problems to, I don't know but I can't vote for Hillary and you know voting for Gary Johnson is really you know it's a vote for Hillary it's gonna get him on the ballot next time been a better way but you know well, it's, you hear all these people saying that kind of stuff you don't hear that I, you don't hear that here in Tennessee okay you know <laughs> what are you hearing in Tennessee Trump all the way <laughs> there you go what I can't Tennessee will firmly go for Trump. What's the what? What's one of the big occupations in Virginia and West Virginia and Tennessee? Coal mining, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know got, so much here, though. It's maybe like uh, Kentucky uh, or West Virginia. In Virginia, they're talking about uh, <laughs> what, what are they talking about in Virginia? That, that uh, um, Hillary wants to shut down coal mining. So why in hell is Virginia going to be even a contested state? Do they think that Kane? Do they think that Kane is gonna to, gonna tip it their way or something? I, I did find that Who? odd too. Who? Tim Kane. Yeah. Hey, Kane is almost like asking me where asking Gary Johnson where Aleppo is. <laughs> Who the hell's wow. Tim Kane? <laughs> Well, wow, hey, Scotty. Rocky, before Scotty joined us, I did want to ask you, since we're on the subject of Gary Johnson, uh, and you're not happy with either Clinton or, or Trump so as I is, am. My answer is no, nor would I even consider it. No. Well, I mean, uh-huh. is there any other candidate, any other third-party candidates that maybe would Absolutely appeal to you? Is. Scotty, do you want to answer that for him, please? President, everybody shut up. Rocky speeches <laughs> in the room. He is on the ballot at 4% polling. President Ada. <laughs> President Ada. President Ada. So you want to vote? You want to vote for Rocky? He may be cocky. We'll vote for Rocky. You vote for Rocky. Well, what, about, what about like the Constitution Party? What about them? They're all right, but let me ask you this. 
Go out on the street, just anywhere. Go into go into the city center. Go out to the mall and just yell out, "Hey, everybody out there who knows who the Constitution Party candidate is, will you yeah. raise your hand?" Yeah. Well, you uh, could. Well, you could say, Scotty, that that's the fault of the media as well. That's sure part of the the Republican and Democrat control mm-hmm. of our media. Yes, and if people, you know, when people hear hear me or anybody say that the left is really controlling the media. And they don't believe it, and they call uh, or that the left is not controlling media, and they look at us and they call us conspiracy theorists and things like that. It's like, please, for the love of God, will you go turn on the news? Will you go read an article? Will you go look at something rather than just say you think it's a conspiracy theory? Because um, the, the left is primarily controlling the elections, at least what the public perceives of the elections. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at the last election, um, and you look at the election before that, 2008, McCain-Palin is a good example. You look at every, you watch it, there's a film that was out there that was put together about media malfeasance. And malfeasance. you look at how the media, they show every single, or malpractice, malfeasance, you look at every single news that the newscaster, anchor, that is a public face out there, pretty much all, all across the board, they were all mimicking the same exact phrases, the same exact lines, and about about Palin, about McCain. They were coronating Obama because sure. he is the first black president. And who the hell cares what color he is if he can do the job? Same with Hillary Clinton. Don't you think it's time about time we had a woman in the office? It's like. Yeah, but not you. But you know, we uh, haven't really heard a lot of that aspect, though. You know, there's there, there's been some of that, but it's not. It's been very muted lately. That you know, we could have the first woman president. Okay, but you notice, you do notice, she keeps saying, and everybody that supports her says that she is the president that's going to stand up for women's rights. She's the president that's going to uh, uh, look out for women and take care of women which is the biggest crock of B is and B S is and S that's out there because she has not done it yet. It's like, it's like, I, I want to look at it's like Trump has said even to her, he said to her in the debate, he says, you had 30 years to do that. He says, why didn't you do, why isn't it accomplished yet? Yeah. And, uh, well, because she's not the president. Well, does. Uh, Luke, that's for you, baby. Uh, let, let's just take a moment to just absorb that song. That's 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 our song, buddy. I'll always be our song, Rocky. I'll never forget. <laughs> anyway, we got just completely derailed there. <laughs> Let, let's, oh, by the way, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry friggin' Christmas. Absolutely. Merry Merry, Merry Grape and Presents Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> Merry graping Christmas, man. Bells ring, are you singing? Are you listening? Are you listening? What do you guys think is going to happen in, in, in foreign policy, foreign affairs, especially like uh, what do you think about, uh, well, the the accusations against Russia and all, and everybody saying that WikiLeaks is, is just an arm of the Russian government, which I love, considering that back in the Bush administration, uh the left wing, you know, WikiLeaks was a darling of the left wing, and now it's not. 
And what do you guys think about that? You, it, it, really, it really worries me when I hear all the, the rhetoric coming out of Hillary Clinton's mouth and others on the Demo- and, and Obama and others on the Democratic side talking about, uh, about Russia. Doesn't well, that worry is- you guys? Right, right. This is where you're going to hear me take a complete stand and urge people to vote for somebody other than Hillary Clinton, especially when it comes to national security. Uh, Russia is not our enemy. Even though our mainstream media and our Democrats are really working hard to try to make Russia our enemy because that's going to justify a future war with Russia. But they are not our enemy. Russia has only done what they should have been doing, and that's going in and fighting ISIS. Turkey says they were fighting ISIS, but they're fighting uh, the Kurds. Uh, I I mean, it, it is pure madness right now when it comes to a national security level. Hillary Clinton has been part of this national security breach. WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks is exposed. And, you know, I have a feeling that NSA at the FBI, I have a feeling that there are some people within our own government that has been sending information to WikiLeaks to try to expose Hillary Clinton because they know that she cannot be the one running this country. Uh, it's just unfortunate that people get so caught up in this little matrix that we call reality. Well, in this and you know why that- they send it to Russia, Rocky? They send it to Russia as a leak. Otherwise, they're going to end up on the as a potential new suicide. Well, we just went in and uh, completely hacked their system. We went into Russia's entire infrastructure system, their grid system, and their tech, their uh, their internet system, mm-hmm. and right. we just did it. And so now we're telling them that we can we can shut down your entire grid by a push of a button. Uh, so you know, really, is this what the Democratic Party wanted? Have we fallen for the bait this entire time <clears throat> with the Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? Just because now Russia's becoming a very strong power and and Russia has been always the biggest threat to the United States. Now they're teaming up with Russia. Now they're teaming up with what Iran or Iraq, one of those two. Um, You see this big friggin' team that's being built Uh right now that could absolutely annihilate this country as we know it. I was reading an article from a... um Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I was oh, reading. Good, I was reading an article from. Uh, it was more like kind of a more a religious based prophecy website, but it had some interesting. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. It had some interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting like a uh, view on what's going on because you do have Iraq making overtures to Russia. You have right. Iran that is firmly in Russia's camp. You have mm-hmm. the Philippines uh, yep. making over towards towards, towards China, uh, Turkey towards Russia. That's a big mm-hmm. one because Turkey's a member that, of that NATO. That makes me a little nervous, right? Okay, and so you have this huge realignment that is happening, and a lot of it has mm-hmm. been because of. What's happened in Syria and with the, uh, the the Russian response to to ISIS that people see Russia, these other countries that are around Russia, see them as being stronger than the United States and willing to take on an enemy like ISIS. Right, right. And what is what has Putin said very recently? He said he's looking to America. And he's looking to these elect- these elections. He says, "Look, who who you who the American people vote for is their business." Mm-hmm. He says, "But what we want in the outcome is somebody who wants to partner with us, mm-hmm. and partner with us to end this problem in the Middle East." Now, I I have a big problem, as does Rocky, with this whole the the overtures with uh, Turkey and so on. As as we all know, Turkey is the gateway from Syria to Europe. Um, that that is going to be a huge problem. 
and uh, uh, with er- Erdogan and all the stuff with the fake coup that went on and his ability to suppress, what, what was it, Rocky, at the last count? Uh, 150,000 detractors to him politically right, right. are being suppressed in that country. So uh, Turkey being part of that is not, a, is not well, let's, let's not even go into Turkey. I, I'm gonna, I could launch into something big there and I'll sound like John Ward. But uh, um, <laughs> right now, Russia, I see Putin as... I'm sorry for those of you who don't see it this way. And if you don't see it this way, it's probably because you aren't looking at the details and the facts. But Putin, I see, is number one, whether you agree with him or not, he is the leader of his country. He is a leader and he is doing what he believes uh, will make him make Russia great again. Mm-hmm. Scotty, Scotty. Yes. Would you spoon with Putin? I would. <laughs> I would spoon with Putin in the Kremlin. I would spoon with Putin in front of Lenin's tomb. Hey, Scotty, wow. I'm probably opening up a can of worms here, but what do you think about sure. this? What do you think about the spirit cooking thing that's come out? The spirit cooking. What? What? You don't know what he's talking about? I don't off the top of my head. Spirit this is the, uh, this is the email um, that was sent from John Podesta, John Podesta's brother oh, 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 sent him an email from this performance artist that was in New yes. York city that was giving the spirit cooking, uh, that has something to do with the occult and Aleister Crowley. And it blew up over the, it blew up over the last like couple of days that this happened. And this was something from the WikiLeaks. I personally don't think there's much anything, to it because Podesta didn't even end up going to the to this uh, spirit cooking party. But I thought since you you know you have so many friends that are involved with the occult, Scotty, I, I was wondering you, your thoughts on that. Yes, yeah, Scotty, you got a lot of friends that are in Satanism. So oh, we- sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah all, for all of my Satanist friends out there. <laughs> Beelzebub, actually, Lucifer, actually, those guys. I don't. To me, this is no more surprising than finding out uh, Nancy Reagan uh, uh, had been right. astrologers. Right. And you know what? That ain't nothing new. Just because we are a secularized society with a secularized government, you still have a majority of people out there, whether they admit it or not, are people that either adhere to or are fascinated by the occult and by the occult. I just mean the unexplained in that whole spiritual realm. You've got a, a, a nation in America that has really turned from being an, an overtly, if you will, a Christian nation to a mildly Christianized nation that is no longer in the majority because people are looking for something different. They're looking for something that's away from the traditional answers. Uh, I'm not condoning that or, 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 uh, uh, calling it out as, as a negative either direction from a neutral standpoint, you've got people that are looking for something different. It doesn't surprise me that Hillary Clinton, uh, uh might've been tied to some bizarre occult, uh, uh, spirit cooking issue. Who the hell cares? You know, what if she went to church and prayed that she would win the election? Would it be such a big deal? Uh, it, you know, I, uh. I don't know what the, the, the spiritual beliefs are of the Clintons. But I'll tell you this, there are people that hold different spiritual beliefs, and if it falls against the grain of somebody, they're going to criticize it. Um, you know, what, what did they do to, to, to George W. Bush? You know, oh, he's a born-again Christian, uh, so there must be some problem with him. 
Oh, he's going to lead a theocracy. Or even with uh, uh, Romney when he ran uh, four years ago. Oh, he's Mormon. He's going to bring a theocracy to the government because he believes in Mormonism. Uh, if somebody believes in an astrologer or is is doing this weird occult stuff, you know, unless she's, you know, unless they're worshiping goats and eating small children that we don't know about, um, you know, cool. it's very cool. It's, yeah, very cool. <laughs> you know, you got the Hellfire Club. Look at Ben Franklin and all. Those yeah, guys. yeah, yeah, exactly. Club. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's let's get away from the election a little bit here, guys, in the time that we have left, uh, because while this has been going on and everybody's been focused on the Trump and Hillary circus, we've got this whole thing going on in Standing Rock. And I, I don't know, I don't think, I think Rob knows a lot more about it and Luke knows a lot more about it than, than I do. So guys, what, uh, what's your viewpoint on that? You know, what's going on out there? Scotty? Silence. Oh, uh, sure. I'll lead up. I thought, I thought I'd let you lead off that time. And Rocky, I just want to say there was a little video you sent me uh, yesterday that just popped up on my screen again. So I was distracted. Sorry. I literally uh, popped up on your screen, didn't it? Literally <laughs> popped up on my screen. I'm going um, to send it to the conspiracy normal boys right about now <laughs> send it to while we're talking. So, um, here's, here's the deal with standing rock is that yes, that oil line needs to be in existence. The problem we're facing though, is what we faced with many other native American issues. And that is these treaties that are written to be in perpetuity 150 years ago. The language in most of them says in perpetuity until the United States government tries to impose some eminent domain over them of, of one form or another. Uh, yes, the pipeline is off the reservation. Yes, it also runs through sacred Native American burial grounds. Yes, it could be a danger to the water supply to the, to the, to the reservation. Of course, those are the risks you run when you run any kind of pipeline anywhere uh, is a risk to damaging environment. Um, I do not see this as an environmental issue, though. I do see it as a right of the Standing Rock Reservation to have had a voice in what was done. And their claim is that they had no voice. Um, you go a little deeper into the Native American issues. And I find that the Native American treaties that we wrote with the United States government, there was no time limit put on them. Uh, but the United States government, whenever it's convenient for the government, tries to find a way to say it's no longer valid. And that could be to say, well, you know, the, the majority of the population of this reservation may not be, you know, uh, uh, have as much Native American blood as in them as they used to. They've been more watered down. And so that's going to, you know, they use every argument they can. Look at the, the Bosque Redondo down in, in uh, um, Arizona where they tried to move, or was it Nevada, where they tried to, in the 70s, move the Native American tribes off their land that they were given in perpetuity because they found that there were uranium deposits beneath them, one of the largest uranium deposits in the United States. So they tried to rescind the treaty orders, and that was in court. I think it's still in court, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Scotty, you just, you just got really robotic there on us. That was kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, oh, my sound. Yeah. Oh, it's it's my internet. Hey, Ro Rocky, since I, you actually, since you just what he was doing when Scotty was talking, he actually started breakdancing, and that's kind of an effect that comes out of him when he's breakdancing and talking at the same time. I was singing King Tut and doing the the motions. 
King Tut. Rocky, you so, said yeah, you, so, you distracted we're, we're, me with that uh, little gift there. Thank you. Is an, it is a gift. You're very well. See, Luke, I was very, trying to find Rob. I couldn't find Rob on time, and then like, I got cut in. So I'll share it with Rob, please, and everybody give each other a group hug. <laughs> you can see how when we're talking about such insanely important um, political ideas, when you look at a video like that, that really sustains everything we believe in, it can uh, distract you from the conversation. Well, uh, my blood, my blood pressure is definitely down now. So thank you guys. Yeah, my, yeah, my, yeah that was magical. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Rocky. I'm all about magic, bro. Love, light, and stardust and fairy dust. Vote for Rocky. Magic to your table. <laughs> Rocky, what do you think about the? What do you guys think about the Standing Rock thing? Like, what's uh, what's your thoughts on it? You know, uh, my wife is native, and actually, me and her really? have some disagreements. Yes, we have some disagreements on it. Um, but you know what? Treaties are treaties. And here's the thing, you know, when I was, ta- I don't know if I was talking when we were live or off the air and we were talking about the history and how this country, maybe this was on a different show I was on, but we talked about how this country was established. We get what happened to this country, but we also cannot lose the fact that over a hundred million in native Americans got massacred. So what they have in this country is very little. Uh, you know, I don't care what people say about the casinos and this and that, what they have is very little and they're just little patches of land. And, you know, when we sign these treaties, these treaties are indefinite, whether it be to protect the water or to protect that little patch of land that they have left. I think big government need to keep their asses off the Native American land and let Native yeah. American people be. I mean, they are dying. The alcoholism rate is up to 80 percent at every single Native tribe throughout the country. We are doing nothing for them. We want them to die off. We want these treaties to disappear because we want big oil, big pharma. We want big corporations to take over this country. And the treaties are getting in the way. Let them have what is theirs. You know, I'm so sick of big oil. I'm so sick of big banks. I'm so sick of these thugs in our political system that think that they can just do whatever the hell they want when they want or make this land a national monument or protect a freaking turtle. But uh, you know what? It's theirs. Let them have it. Everybody needs to shut up and get the federal government off that property. Like now, before I go up there with my new toy. It's interesting (laughs) in, in, uh, in contrast to the Oregon standoff, how much media that attention got. And then like how this hasn't gotten very much at all. But, but the Oregon, the whole Oregon thing, though, Adam, is, is that got construed too. They, you know, yeah. these were radical militia members. No, these guys were not radical militia members. If people did the research on the Bureau of Land Management, understood how many families in this country have been affected by having their land that has been in their family for generations right. just stripped away with no compensation because the Bureau of Land Management, which is now a middle militarized federal organization, just comes and takes their land. They're killing hundreds of thousands of wild horses. I mean, who are they? Who is our government to take this land? Federal government cannot own state land, but they're doing it anyways. All the guys in Oregon were trying to do was produce, they were doing the right thing, what, because they had guns or because they were from the military or they, they were proud of the Constitution, they're proud of the American flag. Well, you know what? These natives are representing the same thing. Right. We have a bunch of bully corporate thugs that want to take over their land. And we have oil leaks all the time in this country. We have petrol leaks all the time in this country that is doing catastrophic damage to our soil. And well, all they're trying the to same, do is protect the same, the same oil company had a spill, had a damaged pipeline, like just a few weeks ago. That was right on the tail of all of this. The, right. This really coming to I can't remember where the spill is it, was. Are you talk about Colonial Pipeline. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I don't have the information in front of me. As it far as uh, that might be it. Because that but, was uh, that was here. That was I mean, we had a gas shortage, kind of because right. of that. Well, Alabama was where the the leak actually was. 
I didn't know that it was but, the same people. That's interesting. But you know what, Adam? See, you know what? You bring a valid point. And this goes to show, this goes to show how our media is tied in with the agenda of another just this country or the world. So when you look at how the media attacked Oregon, I mean, because the media was all over it. They were terrorists. They were American terrorists. They, uh, just the things that the media was saying to degrade what these patriots were doing. Do I agree with how it happened? No, I know half the guys that were there, half the guys that were there didn't agree with how that went down. It wasn't supposed to happen like that, but it did. Uh, then we look at what's happening in the native uh, community up in North Dakota right now. And, and and again, this is not the first time that the native's land has been attacked, but they're getting minimal coverage. They're getting minimal coverage with our mainstream media because what our mainstream media wants is for this to slowly just go away. They don't want people to be uh, have their attention, but you know, focused on this. They just this is going to turn into another uh, what a sitting bull or wounded knee or whatever we were talking about earlier. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. With the wounded knee standoff. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to turn into another one, and this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to demonize the Native Americans for trying to to protect what they have left in this country. And they're going to demonize mine. Keep in mind, there were two different wounded knees right. in our nas- national history, one in the 70s, right. but one in the 1890s. Yeah. And the one in the 1890s was where all the natives, and I compare it more to that particular right. Right. gathering, yep. because they were all gathering to dance well, the ghost dance. That was a massacre. Their people. <laughs> and that was a massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know what? There's, there's no doubt that there's going to be infiltration. There's no doubt that we got a couple yahoos, just like we did in Oregon. There's going to be people that are they're probably going to be covert you know, government operatives. They're going to go in as natives or supporters of the native community, and they're going to create disruption. They're going to create violence. I mean, there's a history of this with the CIA, with, with local law enforcement, where they send these little goombas in, and they have them create disruption, violence, uh, to create a stir to justify the actions of what the federal government wants to do. So it's going to end bad. No matter how we want to look at it, it's going to end bad. Well, gentlemen, I I really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, tell everybody where that they can hear this, this, the sit room or the situation room as it's called. And uh, what do you guys are, are, what are your predictions uh, guys for electoral votes? What do you think, Scotty? Uh, My prediction for electoral votes right now, if you look at it, the way the, the landscape lays Donald Trump, has about 265 committed electoral votes. Now, that can change. Right now, they're about neck and neck. What do you need? 270 electoral votes to win the election. Yes. Um, now, that all depends on what states he carries, what borderline states he carries, what uh, those that could sway either way. Um, my prediction is, and who knows, I may eat my words afterwards on this, but I think there's going to there has been such a groundswell Throughout the election, there's been a huge trending upward for Trump in the last two weeks, especially. I think you're going to we're going to have a surprise. We're going to see a lot more people look at Hillary Clinton or already have and have said we can't have somebody who is literally a criminal, a career criminal in the office. And even those who don't like Trump, they're either not going to vote for him or they're going to vote for Trump knowing that. Uh, they've got to vote one way or the other this time. And uh, that there's a so I believe my predictions there's going to be a much bigger landslide in the Trump category than we think there's going to be. And that's not just wishful, ho- hopeful wishing that that is looking at this and seeing, watching all the stuff that's going on that the media doesn't want most people to know. And right. so they're not hearing it. And I think people are going to go and they're going to vote. And I think there are also a lot of voters 
that claim they're undecided that would vote for Trump, but they're almost afraid of the reaction they're going to get if they tell people. And uh, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for Trump. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's the way I think you're going to see a lot of that coming out. So that's my, my prediction. And uh, Rocky, know, oh, sorry. You know, you know, when you look at it, uh, either way you want to look at it, when you look at this little small group that actually probably runs the world, or some people call them the elites or whatever you want to call them, put your little title to them, whatever it is. Hidden hand. The hidden hand. Uh, you know, they win either way, because if they get Hillary Clinton, then the thuggery can continue, the illegal transactions can continue, the worldwide domination can continue, the big corporations can continue taking over the world. If they bring Trump in and Trump wins the election, then they can collapse the economy and they can get a complete reset and they can make trillions of dollars off a collapsed economy. They can make trillions of dollars off a collapsed healthcare system. So any way you want to look at it. The ultimate people that are controlling our government and world governments are going to win. It don't matter. They're prepared to go either direction. I hope Trump wins. I hope Hillary goes to prison. But if Hillary wins, I, I just urge everybody just to be prepared for what we're about to face. Because like I told Scott last night, if we think, this is what I told Scott last night, if we think that the land we live in right now was foreign to what we grew up with, in another 20 years, we will not be able to recognize what this country stands for no longer. Mm. Right. Mm. Well, guys, and the Situation Room, where can we hear it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, Situation <laughs> Room, you can go to uh, streamingtalkradio.com, rockystucci.com. Uh, the podcast pages are on both of those, but it's um, it's ebntalkradio.podby.com. We are on Terrestrial all over, uh, pretty much all over the South. Um, so to find the Situation Room, just go to streamingtalkradio.com, and there's a show page on there. Um, otherwise just go to rockystucci.com and, and all the available links, wherever Rocky Stucci show podcasts are. So is the situation room because we're just one big, happy freaking family. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're happy. Right to, we're happy to be on there as well. So, well, uh, we appreciate all the support you guys have given us through all these years, man. I mean, absolutely. uh, and, and vice versa. I mean, we think you guys got a top notch. So, and, and you Thank guys you. have always supported us and, and, uh, you know, as many people as we know in this industry, the circle does remain very small and, and we're honored to, uh, to consider you guys close personal friends and, and, uh, to on to bigger and greater things, my brothers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big bro hug right now. Well, maybe, maybe you and Luke spooning as well, Rocky, right? You know, it, Luke is a sexy son of a bitch. I, you know, he just, I mean, I mean, the dude rides the skateboard. I mean, he has pretty hair. He has a beard. You know, I, I have to say, ditto, Rocky. You know, like nothing you know gets I mean, me bro? going like a big, you know, tall, muscular, manly man. You know, you know what wow. I'm talking about. You know what I'm freaking talking about, huh? Fuck it's, you know, especially one with an accent, right? Forget about it. Yo, Rocky, I love you in a, in a totally heterosexual yet loving kind of way. It's not gay if there's We're, no eye contact. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, uh, that's that's all I had to say. <laughs> all right, guys. We're hey, gonna, guys. Thanks for everything. Thanks guys. a lot. We're going to close this out. Stay on the line briefly for us, and we will be back, hopefully, with the next guest. All right, guys.
We are back. This has been a, a marathon show already for us. We are continuing the Conspiranormal 2016 election special. Who knows if there will be a election special for 2020. I think we're going to try to figure that out right now with the new guests that we have on. And that is uh, someone that, uh, well, is known in the area of Fortiana and uh, the area of uh, talking about science and the paranormal. And that's Mr. Micah Hanks. But he also has another podcast called the called Middle Theory, which focuses primary, primarily on politics. Micah, it's so good to have you back on Conspiranormal. It's actually almost been a year since you've been here. Yeah, when I was live in studio with you guys, yep. and by the way, just to go ahead and get it out of the way right off the bat, that was one hell of a piss poor introduction. You've got to do better. Okay. Well, I'll say like Emperor of the Universe, Micah Hanks. How about no, no, that? Just, you just say what everybody else does. Just call me the Doctor. <laughs> the Doctor. Yeah. God. Oh Lord. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, How you been, sir? I've been really good. Uh, you know, gosh, everything's just kind of in the middle of flapping at both ends over here. I'm actually, as we're talking, still shutting down programs. I'm now closing my emails and wait, 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 wait. Okay. Actually it appears, uh, I have to reopen my emails because of an email that I found on a separate machine unrelated to this machine. And so the emails are going to have to be reopened right here before we get going with this podcast. And Oh, it's just in again. Okay. It looks like that email account can now be closed, and we haven't found anything that has changed the way I felt about my emails I was reading earlier. So, okay, we're, we're back to square one. Oh, wait, wait, one more thing here. Also, a report has just been issued. Donald Trump has apparently been denied access to his Twitter account by his own personal aides. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that just not too long ago. <laughs> all the news out of the way, right? <laughs> the breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. This just in. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a breaking news story. Two people have been injured in a pumpkin chunkin contest. Apparently, Marvel's Green Goblin was unavailable for comment. Going now to Lester with the news. Actual headlines. All of these actual headlines, except for the whole thing about my email, which didn't have direct relevance to anything happening in the media right now, of course. But So, Micah, what do you think is going to happen in two days? We're recording this on November 6th. We're literally two, well, less than two days away from this election. Where do you think we're going to be on election night on November and also November 9th? <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be nestled up by our televisions or our computers or our portable multifunction devices in our homes uh, hoping for the best. Hopefully, it will still be America, too. Uh, it'll be a republic if we can have it, in the words of uh, Benjamin Franklin. You know, I try to be an optimist about these kind of things, but uh, permission to speak freely, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, granted, good. Uh, the best I think I can do, as we're preparing, of course, for Election Day, I'm doing this show with you guys. Tonight. I've got two shows back-to-back -to -back tomorrow for the Grillian Gang, and then we're doing... All day election coverage from Theory on. We're going to do a show earlier in the day, the actual primary podcast. Then we're going to be streaming live on Tuesday night as the results from the polls are coming in. And I think I told you guys a little earlier the very best I feel I can do right now is just tell people all the most pertinent and important things that they need to know before they head out to the polls on Tuesday morning and go shit in a bucket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of how things stand right now. I, in, in at least my young life here, well, if we're dating Earth years here, 
I mean, I, in my lifetime, cannot imagine anything quite as bad as this election has been. Yes, the negativity. But yes, the lack of, of fundamental decency among the, the two candidates. I mean, you know, I was, I was sitting there on Guy Fawkes Day last night in a, mm-hmm. in a, a bar uh, drinking a Dos Equis. And I had had to, to split. I was with friends in downtown Asheville. And I just, I literally was walking down the street and just kind of almost mentally collapsed against a wall and said, guys, I'm sorry, I got to go. And I did. I, I took off I, the, 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 the after effects. Okay. Psychically. And I don't mean that in terms of, you know, mumbo jumbo. I just mean in terms of the mental state that it put one in after following this election cycle, I committed, I, I committed to follow this election and with middletheory.com, which is, as you mentioned very graciously there, Adam, my other podcast, which deals with news and current events, but this election season, we've been mostly devoted to politics with the election. This is the first time in my life. Um, well, this is the first time in my life I've covered an election the way that I have covered this election with every single week doing a significant amount of reading, research, audio editing, uh, you know, communication with different people. Some people even uh, with, with backgrounds in government and with education and law enforcement and things like that. And trying to understand all the nuances of this election. I mean, I've never been to an election where I've been so involved in that capacity. In the past, as you guys know, I've been radio broadcast, and so I've actually attended campaign rallies uh, with some of the candidates in the past. I have met uh, with local and with national uh, members of Congress and with state legislature, city council, things like that. And and I've worked in talk radio as a producer, so I've always kind of had a finger on the pulse of things. But this election and my involvement in covering it has been entirely different. And one more reason for that has to do with the fact that, again, like you guys do with your show, when I say permission to speak freely, I'm not just excusing myself to be foul-mouthed. I'm, I'm saying that sometimes I think that there is a pristine kind of beauty and importance to being able to be unfiltered and not having to filter your, your, your dialogue. Have you guys watched the new show on Netflix yet called Black Mirror? We were actually we were just, just talking, talking about, about that. About yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm psychic, so. That's why <laughs> I've watched the first two episodes of the first season. I haven't seen the third one yet. Rob has though. Yeah, I've I've seen second and third seasons mostly because we skipped the first one. That uh, that first episode of the first season was, of course, the one I guess most people would start with. You, you kind of got to push yourself through it, but I in a, yeah. in a almost Huxley esque kind of brave new world sense of things. I saw pretty quickly where it was going and thought, well, you know, the pastels are grating on my nerves a bit, but I'm gonna push myself through this. And by the end of the episode, I, th- I thought it was quite good, but the social commentary being provided is horribly frightening, and accurate political correctness to the point that literally with or without any kind of governmental censorship, uh, we are not getting to a point where we are censoring ourselves. And yet, you know, in certain circumstances, I think that political correctness uh, in, in moderation is important because it prevents people from just speaking and acting like a basket full of deplorables, right? <laughs> but mm. but I will say that by the same token, the extreme political correctness in society today is getting to a certain point where, I mean, you can't say anything without offending somebody. You know, you can say, for instance, so, could I get a white mocha, please? <laughs> what do you mean? You know? <laughs> I mean, it, that kind of thing. People, everybody, uh, you know, wants to just be offended these days. And, and I do think that there is a fair amount of that. And yes, I do think that there is a large contingency in America that responds favorably to Donald Trump, despite, you know, the allegations of, of, of abuse 
really, I think it goes beyond misogyny. I think that, yeah, we can say that he has really fundamentally been abusive toward many women that he's been involved with over the years. This is a situation where people see past that because they're like, my God, anything would be better than the alternative, which is apparently where, you know, they're kind of going with black mirror, which I've wondered, by the way, is, is that actually a reference to scrying the ancient art of mirror gazing on a, on a dark and reflective surface? I'm not sure if that's what they meant, but yeah, interesting show though. And I'm afraid that, yeah, it does seem to kind of be pointing in the direction of where technology and society in general is going. So, so this election is very pivotal because it seems that in order to try and better ourselves, we almost have to go through this sort of system purge, which has brought us the very worst. We're not like Tyler Durden lost everything rock bottom <laughs> yet, okay? But, I mean, I'm starting to feel like we're damn close to it, and we really very won't do it until after the election. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, one of the things of shows that I watch a lot is uh, I, watch, I watch Bill Maher. Okay. Yeah. And I I, I kind of just like the the give and take that he has with the um with the panel. But, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, he, and somehow he has gotten on to the Hillary bandwagon, okay? And he talks about how there's this like the we need to do away with the false equivalency as he calls it. And but the truth is there is an equiv- equivalency. She's not an appealing candidate. And I, I still, even though now I believe that Trump is going to win this thing, I still think that all this started because she wanted him to run to make her look more appealing. And now I think it's backfired. What do you think about that, Mike? I don't think that it's a crazy proposition. That yeah. Certain aspects of this, of, as a matter of fact, again, what is, I can't say that there's one thing that is truly unprecedented about this election, but among the many things that are, have been the involvement that we've seen uh, by outside groups such as WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. namely WikiLeaks. But what's also interesting is that there was an Irish intelligence official who had said that according to information that he had been shown, you know, these these leaks that are being, uh, that Russia rather is being accused of by the DNC and by the Clinton campaign I mean, people inside sources, okay, are, well, they're not really inside sources because, I mean, people are public, talking about it publicly, but it's nothing that's being discussed in the American and the Western mainstream news. But people in this community and people overseas do seem to think that there's a likelihood that these emails came from, you know, probably from, from staffers in Washington. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the audio soundbites that explicitly stated that was featured uh not i guess today but on the thursday edition which uh the date for that would have been uh let's see here november the third uh that was the uh episode of no agenda with adam curry and john devore great program i highly recommend to people if you're interested in an alternative perspective i mean the guys they feel this job they're far more speculative about things right not like to be but also I mean, you got to keep in mind, it is entertainment, and it's by far one of the more entertaining podcasts out there. Anyhow, though, this audio was incredible because they had this Irish intelligence expert, and he says, you know, I was at this intelligence uh, dinner, and he said it was made very clear to me that these leaks are being released uh, by people within Washington. Now, take that for what it is because there's no evidence to substantiate that. That's just what one quote-unquote, let's put our air quotes up, what expert is saying, but What's interesting is that when asked by Maher uh, on his program, if, if memory serves, Bill Maher had actually asked uh, Julian Assange about 
well, everybody asks him about you know, who their sources are. And he says, of course, you know, WikiLeaks, we won't reveal our sources. That's their policy. But he said, for all you know, uh, it may be Democratic staffers in Washington themselves. But it's funny because when he said that, I couldn't help but feel like there was maybe some degree of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And it it seems strange to me right now that people are trying to say that you know Donald Trump may have ties to Russia. Well, the FBI has been clear in saying two things now. First of all, the extension of the investigation into the Clinton emails, uh, based on what they found on a computer owned by Anthony Weiner, uh, there's no reason to change their previous determination, which many people find problematic, to say the least, considering the fact that indeed there were criminal offenses that that, that, that should have incurred uh, in terms of how Clinton managed this email situation and likelihood. Yes, there was obvious, at very least, political favoritism shown toward her. And everybody's trying to say that you know, Comey is, is trying to support Trump and trying to help Trump, and Comey's doing this and Comey's doing that. Like, if anything, that guy has now twice bent the rules in favor of Hillary Clinton, and yet yeah. they're still finger at the guy. And and so where this all seems to be going is that we've got intelligence agencies that are giving her a pass on this twice mm-hmm. now, despite what the media has said about it. I got a story open right here, really quickly, if I can if I can pull this up. This was reported at the Politico. Uh, the uh, lead line reads: "The FBI looks like Trump's America." And it's with 67% white male agents, the Bureau doesn't reflect the nation. Did its conservative culture play a role in Comey's decision to reveal the renewed Clinton email probe? Well, he's exonerated her essentially on two occasions now. Really, to me, it says just the opposite. On the other side of things, I've not, I've not seen, although I have said that for formal accusations against Russia to be made in terms of their involvement with the email hacking and then the subsequent wiki, I would think that intelligence officials should have some sort of information that would lends credence to that notion before a uh, democratic strategist or anybody else comes out and says indeed that, well, they're going to keep doing this. Russia is going to be involved in trying to sway future elections, which is was reported just today. And of course that they've been trying to sway this one right now. It's been the time magazine front story. It's on the cover of you know New York times and all different other kinds of media uh, and, and news publications. But the point is, is that it seems to me, and this I think is a fair statement that there is still question to what degree and precisely who in Russia, if there is Russian involvement, who in Russia is involved? And it may not de- uh, be, as James Carville said recently, the KGB, by the way, which hasn't been actually in operation since the 1990s, but yeah. I regret. Yeah, yeah. The, the erroneous <laughs> usage of, of, of currently non-existent Russian intelligence agencies by top democratic strategists, I mean, that in itself is unprecedented. So what it's really turned out to be, guys, I think, is this big witch hunt. But what we do know is that whoever released the emails, within the WikiLeaks emails, it was stated that the Clinton campaign wanted to try and prop up the fringiest conservative candidates mm-hmm. so as to aid in the Democratic uh, election. We, we and, read and, that email Yeah, on we this talked show. about this a few yeah. weeks ago, a few episodes ago. And I think that they specifically mentioned uh, Dr. Ben Carson, Donald Trump, and possibly Ted Cruz as yep. well. Right, it was all three. Mm-hmm. But going back even further, as you guys know, and as your listenership would no doubt know as well, I mean, we do know for for a fact that there was a phone call prior to this election and prior to Donald Trump ever throwing his hat in the ring where Bill Clinton called him and said, you should be more involved in politics, maybe as a Republican. I mean, guys, I don't know. Do we have to spell it out for him? <laughs> it seems pretty clear to me what's going on. Did it backfire? Look, there are a lot of theories. Michael Moore's got his theory. That never went to the presidency. This was all just a publicity stunt that just got out of hand. Um, I don't think that at all. I don't think that that is the case in the least. I think that Trump, 
strange though it may sound, because I don't like the guy at all, but in a, in a strange way, I think that Trump may actually think that he stands a chance at winning, which he does at this point, and that he has some sort of a honest drive to want to try and actually become president for the good of the country. But he also knows the power that comes with that. Whereas with Clinton, the impression I get is that there's this, and this is just my impression, but a lot of it has to do with body language and things like this. To me, there is a snide snarkiness about that individual that says this is not about the good of the country. This is about right. an ultimate control. So in that sense, deplorable though Donald Trump is, I could say that maybe he's more honest-hearted about this than she is. And I think that the American public knows that. I'm not trying to prop him up. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, and I've been accused of being that. I don't support either of these candidates, and I'm proud. Same here. So. But I will say this. I will say that if there's one redeeming thing about Trump, it is that I think in terms of what motivates him to want to be president, God almighty, as bad as it is, it might be less or, or, or you know, not as bad as what is driving Clinton, which is what's so terrifying about this election. Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't think it's crazy, Adam, to say that you know, maybe this entire thing was a scheme and that maybe that the two candidates, I don't know, in truth, with all due respect to Mr. Trump, I don't find him as being maybe intelligent enough to be to be trying to, to pull tricks on Clinton. But I think that the Democrats have been all along trying to manipulate him and steer him. And frankly, that goes back to prior to the election because they knew that that would make it easier for Clinton to be elected. And I say if she is anything more than a person who feels that it is her turn, and that's the real problem with American politics these days. Right. Oh, Whose turn is it? You know, go back to Christopher Hitchens and what he had to say about the Clintons, especially Hillary. Of course, we must vote for her because it's her turn, right? You know, the Republicans have done the same thing. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, John McCain, you know, he ran in 2000 um, and he lost to George W. Bush because it was George W. Bush's turn. And then it was McCain's turn in 2008. And of course, Romney lost to him. And then it was Romney's <laughs> turn in 2012. And it was yep. probably going to be Jeb Bush's turn in 2016. But uh, Trump came in there. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You are totally yeah, right he, about that. He completely turned it upside down, Donald Trump did. It mm-hmm. was Jeb's turn. Yeah, we were ready for another Bush, weren't we? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> oh boy, and we're probably going to get. And here's what I said. I know you said earlier that in likelihood you think Trump will win. You know, right now the polls, really, it's almost too close to call. But I do see a distinct, though minute, edge that Clinton has right now. And and I'd almost willed myself into holding my nose and voting for her. I'll go ahead and say that. Um, I had been pressured by some very good friends of mine also who had said, Michael, look, you realize what the alternative is. You've got to do the right thing and vote for her. But guys, at this point, I'm not convinced that voting for her is the right thing. I, I'm yeah. almost inclined to think that voting for Mickey Mouse to be a better course section than voting for uh, for Hillary Clinton. You guys remember this, by the way? Mickey Mouse shrieked in pain as the bear trap severed his right leg. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> well, you know, Mike, I've already voted, and uh, I voted for Gary Johnson. And although Is I'm it? not, I'm not entirely happy with Johnson. I think he kind of needs to be put out to pastor. I did it primarily because I support the Libertarian Party and I support their their beliefs and their political position. And I want to see the Libertarian. I think that they're the ones that have the most shot to be a strong third party. Yeah. If they can pull off a bunch of votes, it'll this happen. Is, this is something I've wanted, this being our electric special, something I've wanted to bring up all night. And that's the fact that People will constantly throw in your face that 
voting third party is a wasted vote. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're voting, uh, if you're voting for Jill Stein, then you're pulling votes away from whoever. If you're voting for, you know, mm-hmm. Johnson, it's, they, but it's it, it's not because if people would stop saying that, it would stop being true for one, and two, it it could prove that they have, like you said, an actual um, uh, a backing and a chance in the next election, and maybe that's all we can do is take one baby step forward in eliminating this bipartisan system which we all know is completely screwed at this point rob great point you make right there and just to add a little bit to that i think that it's highly unlikely that gary johnson could win this election but he's also he's also i think shown that really he's maybe not as up to snuff frankly as trump or clinton when it comes to his knowledge of foreign policy uh, you know the aleppo affair and then, of course, not being able to name foreign leaders. There are plenty of problems here. But sometimes, unfortunately, voting strategy is what has to happen. You know, during the primaries, and I've said this publicly, I'll say it again here, I voted for Ted Cruz. Now, there are things I like about Ted Cruz, by the way. There are also things about him, namely his personality and the way he always just came across sounding like a Baptist preacher. Yeah, there's Trump, there's some New things York about him that terrify me, too. But Yeah, you know. and But uh, I agree, yeah. He had this everybody, but I voted for the guy because I did think that, well, first of all, he was not a horrible candidate. The other candidate I liked, by the way, was Bernie Sanders, who I might mm-hmm. like more than Cruz. But I'll say this too. At that time, Cruz had not dropped out of the race. And any vote for a candidate on the Republican ticket that was not Donald Trump was a vote away from Donald Trump. So I voted for Cruz. Okay. Now, had he dropped out, I probably would have voted for Sanders in the primary. In North Carolina, if you're, I'm, I'm registered as, as an independent. So, uh, you know, according to the to the law and statutes in this in this state, I can go and I can announce which party I want to vote for during the primary as an independent, and they'll give me the, the ballot that I request. And so I was able to do that, and I voted Republican, and I voted for Ted to take that vote away from Donald Trump. In similar fashion, in the general election, voting for Gary Johnson rather than being to take a vote away from Clinton or Trump, because really that vote. In, in a typical election, the libertarian vote would really probably take away from the Republican candidate. But in this election, that may not be the case so much because uh, really there's such dissatisfaction with both candidates that a Johnson vote might actually sway in either direction. It could go – really, I could see it almost going in either direction. Some political strategists may disagree with me on that, but I think that, again, there's enough unrest and this election is close enough that the third-party vote could – affect either side in an unforeseen way, which more people would say rather than, well, you're going to just, you know, take away votes from Donald Trump, they're going to say you're going to risk handing a vote to Donald Trump. For those people who are the narrow Trump types, and, you know, Clinton's obviously the one with the most, you know, uh, background and the most uh, experience, which she is, let's let's face it. Um, and many people find that distasteful about her. But Rob, coming back to what you said, though, about the importance of being able to kind of shake up the establishment view and get a third party more active in the American political system. Gary Johnson won't win this election. Let's face that. But if he gets enough votes, it could change the way that the Libertarian Party in four years is able to participate in that election. And that alone may be important enough for people at home if you haven't decided who you're going to vote for yet. And really, I'm still kind of on the, the, the fence myself. But there's a good argument to be made. National Review has made this argument that libertarian candidate Gary Johnson is the logical choice for conservatives if you're true conservatives, which Donald Trump is not. Then again, I don't think Hillary Clinton is a true liberal. And I think that there are good qualities about liberals and conservatives. I am 
as middle of the road as you can get. That's why my podcast is called Middle Theory. I am an independent voter. I vote for mm-hmm. people, and based on their based on their voting record, and based on I think the the quality of their character, which is why I'm so upset in this election. But again, yeah, Gary Johnson. I don't think we can, we can say that he's a bad person. He may be a bit uh, ill informed, and he may be a bit you know spacey at times, but. <laughs> In yeah. terms of his fundamental character, there may be more to be said about that individual than either of the two primary candidates, and the vote for him could be what will be needed to change the way the electrical uh, electrical the electoral process will play out in four years. How, so maybe there's importance to that. Yeah. How many votes do they would they have to get to get that funding from the federal government? That is a good question. I think that Matt Oakley was saying he was given the percentage, and I could ask him here, but I believe that there's a percentage somewhere in the. Ah, let me pull this up. I should try and actually. Because they got it. about a mil, I think about 1.5 million in 2012 is what right. they got. Yeah. Let me see here. Um, yeah, the question would have to would, would be how many votes would libertarians have to get in this election? Let me see what comes up here. Uh, let's see. And, and yeah. one one statement I do want to make about the, is that I really think that um, that their their ticket is kind of topsy turvy because I think that Bill Weld probably should have been the presidential nominee because yeah, uh, yeah Gary Johnson I, I don't know what's going on with him I mean, maybe too much bong resin but uh, it, it just seems like Weld is much more articulate and he can answer questions a lot better than Johnson can. Well, is far more cerebral of the two. Yeah. But then, really, one might say that of any of the candidates in this election. I mean, Mike Pence compared with Donald Trump. Sure. Or King, yeah. Clinton, you know, the VPs are the ones that really should be in the primary seat. So it's this weird election where you've got these lackeys in the primary spot, and then their VP candidate is intended to prop them up and make them look mm-hmm. good. Well, okay. I, love, I love how Trump has consistently thrown Pence under the bus, though. I, yeah. I love that. I mean, that's just that's that's the best. <laughs> well, let's just be clear. I mean, I think that we might say Trump's a fairly good businessman, not maybe as good as he likes everyone to think he is, but he's yeah. a fairly good businessman. But, you know, he is not the intellectual equal to Mike Pence. And yes, of course, a guy who in the past has supported conversion therapies and, you know, all these kind of strange things like that that, frankly, I don't agree with, but I can still say that the man is more even-tempered, uh, eloquent in his speech, and frankly, in his personality, has a much more uh, forgiving demeanor than Donald Trump ever could hope to have. By the way, coming back to the point about the, I thought it was 5%, but I wanted to be clear, and uh, this Real Clear Politics article, which in fact is titled, Why Gary Johnson Can Still Make Libertarian History, it reads, such a symbolic victory is less enticing for Johnson than the potential prize that he could win for his party. If Johnson snags 5% of the national popular vote, the Federal Election Commission will classify the Libertarians as an official minor party granting the 2020 nominee a lump sum of cash for the fall campaign courtesy of the American taxpayer. Nice. So, yeah, that's, so all he has to do is pull 5% of his popular vote in this election, which frankly, guys, I think being the only other official third party – wait, um, Jill Stein. Only, Jill Stein is, yes. And is Daryl Johnson the constitutional party? Yeah. Uh, Castle, sorry, Daryl Castle. Is he, he's not on the ballot in all 50 states, is he? I don't think so. He is on Tennessee's ballot. I know that. Right. But Jill Stein, of course. And don't bring, I like Jill Stein, but the way I see this, I know that we're on the conspiracy podcast, so a lot of people may not agree, but you know, I, I'm, I'm really careful when it comes to the whole anti-vaccination thing. 
there are a lot of people who say, well, it's really hard these days not to be an anti-vaxxer. Well, actually, no, it's not. But the thing is, is that, you know, I think that while the majority of the science on the vaccination thing shows that they are, are not harmful, there have been some incidents that unfortunately do color that and, and still kind of drive that. I don't want to get down that anti-vax uh, discussion, but there is an article at my website, mike.com, if you go back a little further, about during the Republican primaries, how that subject was brought up. And I cite a Harvard article, harvard.edu article, about anti-vaccination legislation uh, and how, in terms of policy, this discussion is something that I think is far more interesting, whereas people tend to look at it from an advocacy kind of standpoint. So I stated in the article, I said, listen, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I think a few things need to be stated about this, and we, we look at that in that article. Um, with Jill, you know, many have already branded her the anti-science candidate, and you guys know that I'm both a political moderate and, yes, who's interested in unexplained phenomena, and yes, even at times conspiracy theories, but I'm also an advocate of science. I don't think that these things cannot exist. I think that there are plenty of evidences that the WikiLeaks documents have shown this year of legitimate conspiracy theories. You know, I think from time to time that there is legitimate unexplained phenomena, which does not mean something strange, kooky, paranormal, magical, but merely means that science does not yet fully understand. Yes, we we definitely have a lot left to learn. Anyone who doesn't believe that is kind of blind. So, you know, that's your paranormal right there. We've just not caught up yet. I think that there's a certain stigma attached to that word, which we could get into and talk about a little bit more later. But, you know, again, with Jill Stein, I admire her passion. I admire her activism. But again, sadly, and I think, frankly, that she might be a more, uh, I, don't, I don't know if she's per, per se more well-informed than Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson has more political experience than she does. I mean, again, in terms of political experience, he has more than Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So. Really here at the at the final hour, at the 11th hour, guys, I mean, maybe despite his obvious horrible gaffes with Aleppo and the foreign leaders he couldn't name, there's still merit to the idea of a Libertarian Party vote. Because if people in this country want true democracy and we want true options that are best representative of our – see, again, I haven't been a member of a political party ever in my life because I've never felt like the Democrat or the Republican Party – matched my values. You guys yeah, say the true right. libertarian mind not. And I think most Americans, Gary Johnson has said, most Americans probably are too. You know, we're more socially liberal, but more fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, what a crazy concept. Right. Right. Exactly. I, I, I mean, to me, it's just something that makes it, it just, it, it, it makes sense to me that uh, you could have a, like, if you have a government that is going to stay out of, your pocketbook, you should also have a government that's going to stay out of the bedroom. You know, it just yeah. makes sense from a very practical standpoint. And, and you know, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, though, that uh, and, and I kind of have to disagree with the Libertarian Party a little bit on this, is that they've tried to appeal to the Bernie voters. And I don't think that the Bernie voters, I, I think that they're almost the exact opposite of what you would normally call Libertarian. Maybe so. You know, I will say this, though, about that. Everybody, first of all, has tried to appeal to the Bernie, right. <laughs> the Bernie voters, or as, as yeah, they were saying, people who would be so disgusted with Clinton that if Bernie didn't get the nomination that uh, they would vote for Trump. And by the way. Well, they're the ones that are more likely to sleep in on Election Day anyway, right? Yeah, and which is funny. Because, Those darn um, millennials. 
<laughs> can, I, can I share something weird with you guys that I noticed the other day that really is kind of kind of bizarre? Um, sure. There was this. There's a, a Hillary Clinton ad that just came out, and this thing is is bizarre. You'll, you'll hear why because the hamburger in the hamburger. Whoa, sorry, I've got a little audio here. Um, this is aimed at millennials, but you know what you just said is so important. Obviously, in this election. I'm starting to notice some really weird things, especially in the Democratic ads. Okay, when they're not attacking Trump, uh, Trump and just trying to say horrible things about him, not that you have to try, um, <laughs> you're hearing ads like this. This is Will Ferrell in a Hillary Clinton ad. Uh, <laughs> this is the most bizarre thing I think you might hear all day. Okay. It turns out there was no hamburger in the hamburger bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey there. I didn't see you. I'm Will Ferrell, actor, comedian, and typical run-of-the-mill millennial. Looks like you just caught me hanging out with my squad. I'll see you guys later, okay? Uh, I just wanted to talk to you directly, one vibrant youth to another. So let's all put down our Snapchat, Tinder, Instagram, and other assorted app-based technologies for a minute so we can keep it 100. Our voting history is public record. Yeah, that's right, babe. Whether we vote or not is available online for any of our fellow millennial friends to see, or even worse, our parents. If you don't vote, everyone might find out you're the opposite of on fleek. I mean, so the, the message here is, okay, we know a lot of people don't want to vote and plan on not voting this election. So let's guilt shame them as millennials into right. doing it anyway. Right. Okay, that's what that advertisement says to me. The, the other really quick weird one that I noticed today was a Michelle Obama ad saying, get out there this, this election and vote Democratic. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't say vote or they say vote Democratic. It's like even people within the Democratic Party seem to have a, a particular, though perhaps unsaid, distaste for Hillary Clinton. Yep. And they never say her by name in that Will Ferrell ad, by the way, guys. Let me just say they never say her by name halfway through the ad. A little screen pops up that says Hillary. Right. <laughs> and, and it seems to me that we're what's going to happen is that you're going to have the Trump voters turn out in droves because they are going to be the ones that are actually feel that they can actually change things. And I think the millennials and that age group and the Bernie supporters, they will stay home for whatever reason, whether it be apathy or disgust, whatever reason it is, they're going to stay home. They're more likely to stay home. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, Again, people keep saying, according to likely polls, Hillary Clinton is leading in whatever state. See, I, I'm living in a real swing state right now. North Carolina has kind of been the, the political yeah. focus this year with this ridiculous, stupid-ass bathroom law thing. And I'm not <laughs> right. What's stupid about it is the fact that it has been so controversial. Um, granted, I don't support uh, you know the, the law per se, but by the same token, the byproduct has been that all the restaurants now have gender-neutral rest, uh, restrooms. Uh, as a political statement against the law. And so now there's this confusion where nobody knows which bathroom to go into. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is kind of silly to me is what I say. I say no. that it's important that we all be socially active and that we have social justice in mind. I consider myself a proponent of, uh, you know, things like feminism, for instance. But but I think that any kind of, of noble and important cause can become something that can also – uh, get out of hand and can be taken to irrational extremes. And that's often what we find uh, in when there's an intellectual movement that's put behind a call 
that, that becomes a political aim of, of somebody. And then what the people don't seem to get, some of them, many of them do, but a lot of people get so swept up in the promises of their, you know, glorious leader of their campaign or whatnot that they don't even realize that these these positions have been adopted by that person because it's something that they can use to hit to the heartstrings and they can easily co-opt the American voter in doing so. Not to say these issues don't matter, but they are taken to radical extremes by political processes for purpose of manipulating the public. So step back, don't get swept up in the emotion of the moment. Be calm, cool, and rational. Cold if you have to, but always look at the situation and say, is the cause that I'm supporting and is the issue that I stand for something that I can support both in terms of how I know I feel I should act or vote or whatever, and also in terms of the way I can think about this? Can I apply logic as well as I know in my heart that this is right? It's got to be a, a balance. People always say, you know, trust your heart, trust your judgment. Well, I say you got to do both. You got to trust your heart, but you also got to think. And more and more voters these days don't seem to be willing to think because they find the little cause that's important to them, and they endlessly support that, sometimes to illogical extremes. So anyway, North Carolina's been a strange state this year, and I think there's, there's been a lot of unnecessary tension and, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, awareness brought to this state on part of this silly legislation. All right, uh, Micah, we talk, we want, I want to talk a little bit about um, John Podesta. We were talking about with Scotty and Rocky a little bit about this, about the spirit cooking thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this this is uh this is interesting, but this ties back in with the world of UFOs too. And Podesta apparently is huge on the whole disclosure movement. And you you found a lot of stuff out about like what's going on with him and Tom DeLong. And next week, we actually have somebody once wants to talk about Tom DeLong coming on. But what have you found out about that? Well, it's kind of interesting. I, I have a bit of a connection uh, personally to some of this, and I'm naturally very interested in you know what role Podesta plays in not only the WikiLeaks situation and uh, in his relationship with the Clintons going all the way, the way back to uh, Bill Clinton's presidency, but also his interest in UFOs, which is something that has been well known about Podesta for years. The Reader's Digest version of things, you just mentioned Scotty and, and Rocky, and I haven't spoken with Scotty in a few months. Uh, we've been very busy this summer, no doubt, and I do hope to catch up with him. I miss Scotty, and uh, he's a wonderful guy and a good friend. Um, he and I put on a conference together back in 2012, and some of the folks that showed up at that conference as part of the media that were in attendance were Open Minds, uh, which their website is openminds.tv, and anyone who follows UFO News will know the people at Open Minds. And at the time... Mari Nelsberry and Jason McClellan were two of the writers and social media experts that were working with that company. And, uh, you know, they had wanted me to come out there and work with the company as well. And uh, it just wasn't the right time for me uh, with regard to what I was doing in terms of business, as well as with some family things that were going on. Also, my grandmother was in failing health. And so I just kind of thought it wasn't the right time to do it. But um, around that time, they were able to interview Tom DeLong about what at that time was apparently just his private interest in UFOs. But later when he re he had, he had done like a news of the weird kind of a website thing a few years ago, and he'd talked about wanting to relaunch that. And when he relaunched the, to the stars media, uh, he went to, to Jason and Maureen because they'd interviewed him and, and, and said, you know, we'd like to have you writing for the company. And they were looking for artists too. And so Jason and Maureen requested that they look at Caleb Hanks, my brother, 
who happens to be a graphic artist. And so lo and behold, Caleb's at home one night and gets a phone call and being a huge Blink-182 fan from back in the day and being a punk rocker and having played music uh, as I do uh, since we were in high school or earlier, I think our earliest music projects together, Caleb and I go back to when I was in second grade. Um, <laughs> Tom DeLong calls Caleb on the phone. Tom DeLong of Blink-182 calls mm. my... Sorry, you there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, I'm sorry. I was afraid I might have dropped out again there. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, Tom DeLong calls Caleb on the telephone and uh, and says, "Hey, Caleb, Tom DeLong," and uh, you know they talk about you know having him come and do art for the company. So I mean, that's quite a, a hell of a thing. So that lasted for a while, and then they decided to take the company in a, in a slightly different direction. They let go of the artists and the writers amicably, and around that time, that's when we started seeing. Uh, the hints of this really going in a full-blown UFO direction. And that's when the secret machines thing really took precedence. We see that uh, A.J. Hartley and, and DeLong's novel uh, was going to be published. And so that brings us to me. I've never had any direct dealings with Tom DeLong. My brother has, having worked for his company. And um, and when they kind of let go of everybody and, and, and did this about face, they went in this decidedly more UFO aimed direction. He, uh, Tom DeLong announces, and, and, and frankly, I think unfairly underwent a fair amount of crit, uh, criticism and ridicule for doing so. He left Blink-182 to pursue his kooky UFO interest as Rolling Stone and other magazines were reporting. But Tom DeLong, uh, sure enough, brought this information that he had been collecting through various people in government that he says that he's been in touch with. And at this point, thanks to WikiLeaks, I don't think that we can doubt who he's been in touch with. And we'll talk about that in a mere moment. Right, but right. The, uh, the situation is such that uh, Jason McClellan, with his ties to uh, Tom DeLong's company, contacted me and said they're looking for some you know, reputable UFO researchers who might want to read Tom's book. Uh, would you like to have a copy of Tom and A.G. Hartley's novel sent to you? And I said, well, hell yeah. And the reason why I wanted to read it was because the day before I was approached by Jason about that, good buddy that Jason is, um, one of my listeners had contacted me and said, what do you think about the secret machines thing? Is this disinformation? Is it soft disclosure? And I said, what are you talking about, secret machines? And sure enough, the next day they contact me and say, you know, hey, look, you know, let's get you a copy of this. So thanks to Jason, my buddy formerly at Open Minds, uh, they sent me a review copy and I read the book. And it's a very well-written book. I have to say that Tom and AJ did a very good job. Uh, and lo and behold, my shock and amazement, when in the final pages of the book, the afterword is written by none other than an old accomplice of mine, a friend, uh, <laughs> I suppose, uh, a fellow who I've really only spoken to once and corresponded with a little bit, but somebody who is uh, endlessly interesting to me, and that is Mr. Peter Lavenda. Right. Wrote the afterword for this book. So I immediately after reading the book, contact Peter Lavenda, he doesn't get back with me immediately, but I uh, subsequently get a, a Twitter follow and, and a friend book, uh, a Facebook friend request from him. So, you know, it, it, I, I haven't put all the pieces together, but this is becoming a very interesting thing. So in the forward, Peter, again, one of the most well-respected researchers and a guy I really um, respect. And of course, you I still have right now. And I'm going to be bringing in December your copy of Unholy Alliance, <laughs> by Peter Levita, back to you, Adam, because I have your copy of it yeah. in my possession now. Thank you for that wonderful book. Peter Lavenda, everybody check him out. Um, Great one of book. The best, he's just one of the best researchers that there is these days. But he's working now with Tom DeLong on a nonfiction book about the UFO subject as part of this To the Stars media thing. So that got me really interested when I found out Pete was involved. 
for a number of reasons, Peter, because I know you're out there listening. So hit me up, okay? Anyway, that said, the um, <laughs> when the WikiLeaks Podesta emails were released, emails from Tom DeLong to John Podesta, Clinton's campaign manager. I mean, that's where he is right now, but let's look at his background. Of course, you know, he worked during the Clinton administration. I remember years ago reading an article saying that he would, quote, get crazy and call Wright-Patterson Air Force Base wanting to know what's happening out there at Area 51. I mean, that's how interested in UFOs Podesta was then and is still now. Last year, he tweeted that one of his greatest regrets of the year had been not furthering the movement toward UFO disclosure. Yeah. And he also wrote the forward for Leslie Kane's book, UFOs, uh, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. So, And Leslie Kane, again, is someone I've never met, but I know that um, my good friend uh, in New York, uh, MJ, uh, who I hope to be working with on some podcast-related projects in the future, she's actually hosted events where Leslie Kane's been a speaker in the past. So certainly somebody who's a respected journalist in the UFO community, and that's the kind of people that John Podesta has involved himself with. So by virtue of seven degrees of Sasquatch, it's kind of funny because many of my associates and, and people who are involved in both politics and also the UFO movement. You know, it's kind of strange how this all, and rock music with Tom DeLong, it all kind of comes together. And so when this latest WikiLeaks email thing comes out, it gets really interesting because Tom DeLong had been emailing John Podesta and those emails were among those that were released in which he describes a major general, William Neil McCasland, Okay, who worked at the laboratory where the Roswell crash wreckage was taken right after the crash, is what DeLong says. And so this Major Neil McCasland is a fellow who is basically in charge of the scientific division of the U.S. Air Force. He is directly uh, accountable for essentially about 11,000 employees who work in the science and and, uh, engineering divisions of the U.S. Air Force. And he is a person who I think would very well fit the qualification for what in the introduction to the first secret machines uh chapter one chasing shadows novel this is the individual i'm sure that tom long was referring to as quote unquote the scientist i can't tell you his name but we'll just call him the scientist that's i'm sure who he was talking about right so after the wikileaks release and alejandro rojas who still does work with open minds i got to give him props alejandro did a fabulous job breaking down the entire wikileaks thing uh, and, and was following that, and although I don't have the time to do so as Alejandro does, he he did. He wrote several articles and updated his primary article uh, with all the most up-to-date information about that and did a really great job. We talked about it on the Graylian Report, but I was in the midst of traveling while all this was happening. And while I was reading, I couldn't really write about it like Alejandro did. So good on him for being able to get that information out for people. And you can go find his articles at openminds.tv. Now, Tom DeLong then goes on Instagram days after the WikiLeaks release and said, WikiLeaks has really messed a few things up, but it's only going to get bigger and better from here. So by messing a few things up, Tom DeLong, okay, admitted by proxy, essentially, that, yes, WikiLeaks has revealed one of my sources, yeah, which confirms what we all pretty much knew all along. So now we know who some of the sources that have been giving Tom DeLong information from within the U.S. Air Force actually are. The question at the end of the day, though, is, is this indeed a disclosure movement that Tom DeLong is suddenly spearheading, or is this another instance of control and manipulation by the U.S. Air Force, for which there is plenty of historical precedent, as was done by one Richard Doty in the case of Paul Benowitz mm-hmm. and subsequently uh, my buddy Linda Moulton Howe and a number of other people over the years. 
uh, who have been co-opted with bad information that the U.S. Air Force has attempted to give to them. So, I mean, that's kind of where we stand with this thing, but I never would have guessed, and this is one of the many ways that this U.S. election has been unprecedented in its weirdness, would, would never have guessed that people who I have a certain degree of association with would have been involved with this, and not through the political sphere, but more through the UFO side of things. It's it's just, it doesn't get weirder oh, than this. Totally, totally bizarre. It's like all, every kind of, it, it's bringing together all our interests, isn't it? <laughs> I've been trying to get it on along for a while because yeah. I want to sit and talk with him about, I really just want to kind of compare some notes about certain research because he makes some reference to things, uh, not so much in secret machines, but in interviews I've seen him give that I've wanted to be able to pick his brain. I haven't been able to talk with him, but you know, of course, Peter Lavenda, you know, has been on the Grayling Report, and Peter had reached out to me because of some research I was doing into this weird thing going on down there in Chile, mm-hmm. which sounded an awful lot like a weird thing that Peter experienced when he was down there in Chile back in the late seventies. So, you know, there, uh, what this really, what this all gets down to to me is that while there are those who are really the diehard, we're going to release the UFO extraterrestrial information, get this out to the public. You know, I fall on the skeptical side of the camp and say, I'm not so sure that the entire UFO thing as we know it isn't just a cover for something far weirder and something that is almost extra governmental that has much more to do with politics behind the scenes than it does with alien life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, all the more reason I'm so frustrated that certain individuals I would like to be talking with about these kind of things at this moment are unavailable. <laughs> but right. I digress. So. <laughs> Well, Micah, uh, we're almost out of time here, but what do you think is going to happen? Who do you think is going to win? Do you have a prediction for the electoral college count? Well, I don't have any specific direct, uh, 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 predictions for the electoral college count. I do think that this, uh, in likelihood, the, the electoral college will probably favor Clinton. I can say that much. I will also say, however, that uh, what we're probably not taking into consideration with regard to the, to the popular vote is that we saw an unprecedented amount of support for Donald Trump come out during the primaries. Okay. And as a result of the unprecedented support for Donald Trump during the primaries, again, he, to my knowledge, I think broke all records in the Republican party. Most voters, the majority of voters sadly do not participate in those primary elections. Most voters go out on election day. That's when the election matters to them. They sit Mm -hmm. back and they wait until they have their two choices and they pick one and they go. And that's their, their duty as American citizens. But, we saw more support for Donald Trump in the primaries. Now, a lot has come out since that time, since the media and others, including the GOP itself, began taking him seriously. <laughs> and now with all the attacks, you know, leveled by people within his own party, which isn't really his party, but he has become the nominee, people within the Democratic Party, which are just all in for using any means necessary in that very truly Machiavellian sense, whatever has to happen The ends justify the means. Get Clinton in office. Yes, we're going to get Clinton elected, come hell or high water. Well, again, it seems that the political process will invariably favor her. But I think that although many say that there is a silent majority and now it supports Clinton bullshit, we're probably going to see many more people. It may not be enough to tilt the election in his favor, but in terms of that popular vote, there are going to be a lot more people that will come out in support of Donald Trump than we are expecting. And the reason why is because with the incredible turnout during the primaries, I couldn't imagine it being any less during the general. I hope we do not have a 2000 election scenario because I feel like this country is already torn apart more than it, more than it should be. And that's just going to make everything worse. 
there is a distinct likelihood that that could happen. I doubt clearly yeah. in this election that either candidate will it will be a landslide for them. What we can hope is that, um, and this this will be my prediction. Okay, I'll leave you with this. My hope will be that one of the two candidates will lead by at least a good, you know, between one and three point margin in the, in the general. And that the electoral to college, uh, electoral college, I think that it's going to probably favor Clinton, and I think that really the uh, the polls are showing that right now. But I don't think that the polls again accurately represent the the likelihood uh, that there will be people who come out in droves in support of Trump on election day. But I do hope that there will be enough of a, a margin of difference that it will be clear who the victor is, at least in terms of the popular vote. And I also hope that. Gary Johnson, goofus though he is, I hope that he gets that 5% or more. And I hope that this is a small step toward a different kind of electoral process that will be perhaps more democratic in the future. That's my hope. My prediction. Let's hope so. Micah, uh, thank you for coming on. But first, before we let you go, tell everybody where they can hear Middle Theory. Yeah, yeah. It's www.middletheory.com is the website. You can find the podcast on Stitcher and on iTunes. It goes out every week. It is a lengthy show. It is completely free. It is a value model show, which means you don't pay anything to listen, but if you like what you hear, you are able to support through donations. You can also follow us on Twitter at Middle Theory and email me info at middletheory.com. Those are all the ways to find and interact with the show. Thank you guys for letting me come on and talk about it. This They always say, guys, every four years, this is the most important election of your lives. But I think in recent memory, and certainly within my lifetime mm-hmm. and probably the two of you as well, this may actually be that election. So I do hope people will get out there and vote whatever it is you think is good. Oh, I'm not sure there is such a thing as a good one in this election. <laughs> be important nonetheless. Absolutely, sir. Well, thank you, Micah. We're going to close this section out, guys, and we will be back to close out this mega opus on Conspiranormal. All right, guys, we're back, and I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted and starving. Yeah, is- <laughs> it's it's time to eat and then go to bed. It is indeed for sure. But, but this was a. Uh, I'm glad we did this. I was a little bit leery coming into it because I've yeah. been, you know, we've all been so inundated by all this for like six months that we're all sick of it. We're all fed up. We all just want to get through the end of this and hopefully survive whatever candidacy we're about to face and. You know, but it was refreshing to kind of go through and review it, especially with you know good friends like Rocky and Scotty mm-hmm. and Micah, and mm-hmm. you know I I really do feel a little more optimistic somehow about the whole situation, even though none of us were optimistic about in any of the the potential candidates. Yeah, so. I, I don't. I you know the truth is I don't feel good about either one of the candidates. I I, I do, and I think I've said this many times before. You know, I I do think that uh, well, Hillary Clinton will be more of the same, whether yeah. that's good or bad. I think probably mostly bad, but uh, it will probably be more of the same, more of the status quo. Trump is kind of a um, wild card, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the one or two things I wanted to say in closing tonight 
And, you know, thanks to um, Rob Gray, first time guest on the show. Um, I enjoy talking to him. I was probably, I would say, but I'm about 98% in agreement with a lot of the things that he said. Um, and thanks to Scotty and to Rocky and finally to Micah for being on for this, for this marathon. Um, first of all, I want to say that it's important, I think, to go out and to vote. Even though how exhausted we are, how discouraged we are by an election, by the candidates, it is important to go out there and exercise what I believe is a civic duty, what makes us one of the few vestiges of democracy we probably still have. Right. And it's important to go out there and do that. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And there's, you know, the, the whole concept of it is that we all throw our ideas into a pot and the most common one comes out. But if you have, you know, if there's a whole demographic of people out there that have grown apathetic, whose opinion isn't being counted because they feel like it doesn't matter or they, you know, then you're missing out on some whole, like you could be, shutting out like a whole complete mindset of people whose opinions really do matter Mm -hmm. right or wrong. And, you know, just like Micah said, just go out there and do what you think is best and vote for who you think is best. And I hate to urge anyone who's uninformed to just go out and throw a ballot towards whatever party they've ever supported. But at the same time, that's just one more group that's, you know, just as important as any other. So, and and absolutely realize as well that you do have more than two choices. Right. We're not you get out of the matrix, realize that in a democracy you should have more than two choices and you do. And don't think for a second that, you know, hey, my my candidate isn't going to get elected. If I vote for a Gary Johnson or a Jill Stein or whoever it is on the Constitution Party ticket, you know, and my advice would be don't not to think that way. Vote your conscience. Vote what you believe in. That's the most important part. Uh, one final thought. And... Now, I guess I'll alienate some of the people that sent me friend requests <laughs> tonight. That <laughs> if are they're still with us at this Trump point. Supporters, yeah. And you could probably say this about both of the candidates, but I feel like I want to reveal who I hope will win. Yeah. I hope Donald Trump wins. Oh. I will use an historical and literary work to justify why I think Trump should win this election. In the 1930s, the poet Robert Graves wrote two historical novels. One was I, Claudius, The other was Claudius the God. This was about ancient Rome, Roman emperors, basically from Augustus all the way to Claudius. 
There was a famous miniseries that was made in the 70s called I, Claudius, about it. Very well worth watching. And being that it's not quite historical, because we don't know exactly what the real Claudius thought, but through the words of Robert Graves, we have this scenario. Claudius, towards the end of his life, is convinced by two of his servants to his counselors to marry his niece. And his niece was the mother of Nero. Claudius has a son by his previous wife named Britannicus. He marries his niece, who he despises. And Claudius realizes that her son Nero should be the successor to the emperorship, bypassing his son Britannicus. Reason why Claudius does this is he realizes that Nero will be so bad that the Roman people will clamor for the Republic to be restored. And Nero was bad. This is a little bit of the hindsight in a work of fiction. But what Claudius says to justify this is he says, let all the poisons in the mud hatch out. All the bad things that have been boiling to the surface will now come to the surface and they will be dealt with. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's Alyssa said something very similar this afternoon. I don't remember exactly how she phrased it, but it was basically that uh, I hope Trump does win the election so everyone can see what they've done and, you know, really, really understand the situation we've put ourselves in. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think that's where we're going. I mean, am I necessarily comparing Trump to Nero? It's just an historical and a um, literary device here. But I think that Robert Graves, at the time that he wrote that in the 1930s, and it's really Robert Graves' words, not necessarily Claudius's. Right. And not necessarily, it's Robert Graves' concept and not Claudius's. But in 1934, 1935, when he wrote the two books, that was in the rise of fascism in Europe. And I think he could see the bad things that were boiling to the surface. And I think we're coming to the same situation. And who knows? It could happen with Clinton, with Hillary Clinton as well. Right. And you know what? I'm ever the optimist. So maybe Trump will get in office and make some change and be a great diplomatic president and totally blow my mind. We could hope so. Yeah. But I think that these tensions and these things that ever that are sublimated, buried, I think they will come out into full force and we may become a better country because of it. At least maybe it'll force change one way or another. <laughs> I think it's a pretty cynical point of view, but I think it's all yeah. we got. <laughs> 
So guys, uh, there is life after the election and we got a great month planned. So next week we will have on, uh, Chris from Michigan, who's going to talk about more about Tom DeLong. Ooh, a Michigander. A, a Michigander. Yep. Hey. And, uh, also Dr. Rita Louise will be on who we talked to at Paradigm Symposium. We're going to talk about a video that she has out about the, um, existence or non-existence of God. So that should be a good theological argument. And then we're going to have two more Michiganders the next week, talk Craig Ciccone and John Tenney talking about the Kennedy assassination. And finally, Ryan Sprague about, about his new, uh, book about UFO experiencers. A lot of time we had a Michigan month. Yeah, we a Michigan <laughs> month, exactly. Well, we have Michigan month every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I know you're completely exhausted. And uh, Luke, take us out. Oh, that's right. He left. He was here for the middle. Yeah, he was too tired. He couldn't take it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Conspiranormal. Hopefully, we'll still be here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.